Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Jones Sports Talk. We're Jones Super. We're so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Riley Gates of On3, talking all things college football, as week numero uno is here of the college football season. We'll break it all down, talk all about week one. We'll also get you a... A comprehensive look at the season ahead, more on conference realignment, uh, and an inside look at the Big 12 Conference as well. We had our right this coming up later on. The Big 12 Breakdown is back. We'll look at all the Big 12 games coming up for this week. And uh, we'll also have the football fix when Coach Bo stops by. Our final draft season segment is ahead as well as we're uh, selecting the movies we would watch on a deserted island. And then uh, we'll have Tom Fullery coming up later. So a lot to get to uh, on today's show. Thanks for spending it with us here on the Jones Report this week as uh, Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, uh, finally, all the talk about realignment and everything and the changing landscape in college football. And we have real football to finally talk about. It's finally here. I mean, yeah, finally, right? It's like, okay, like, uh, you know, we did get, we did get what Navy and Notre Dame. That was maybe the marquee of week zero, but you know, and we all expected that that uh, your boy Marcus Freeman and Sam Hartman would would blow the doors off the of Navy, and they did. I mean, I don't think Navy scored until the fourth quarter, so. You know, and I didn't expect anything out of week zero, but even if you look at week one, we still do have our favorites and we still do have a couple good games. Maybe the marquee matchup probably is on Monday. Um, but, you know, with that being said, football is still back. We still do have it. I will be up and ready to go with drink in hand. My fat ass on the couch, uh, at, ready to run to go at eleven. Um, you know, college game day on. I'll be. I mean, I'm ready for it. I'm. I'm ready to hear the sights, the sounds. Uh, you know, I am. We talked about this last week. I am moving to San Antonio. Um, the OSU game starts at like six thirty p.m. Um, not a, you know, really not a credible opponent necessarily, nothing you want to write home about, but I might end up in Stillwater this Saturday and I might not. Um, and the only reason I say I might, because this might be the last time that I can maybe go to Boone Pickens until I potentially come back for my birthday, which would be Bedlam weekend. And if I don't come back for that, uh, then it would end up being the last game of the year and it would be me going to Stillwater to watch the Mormons play my team. So um, looking really at um, the potential for me to go to my one and only game at Boone Pickens until maybe the last game, um, I will be going to the one in Houston. But regardless, college football is back. I'm happy about it. You said you're going to Norman. Um, yeah, I'm going to Norman this and uh, going to the uh, Oklahoma-Arkansas State game uh, with the parents. Uh, it's probably going to be hot as hell, but I don't care. I'm just glad football's back. Uh, Are you going for the Wolves? 
Oh, uh, no, I, I will not be. Uh, Damn, I was hoping you would be going for the Wolves. <laughs> I'll refer to you. I'll, I'll wear crimson. Uh, I'll, I'll make it happen. It, it'll be a good time. Good to be back in uh, Norman. Uh, spent a lot of time there and uh, enjoy a nice little uh, family outing. In fact, it's come to think of it, this might be the first game that I've gone to in Norman with my mom and dad where we've sat together. Like I've gone with them to games where like I was covering it or they were in the stand and they were in the stands, but this might be a first. So that'll be a unique experience Uh, dealing with my dad and yelling. I'm sure he's going to freak out, you know, after the first, you know, Dylan Gabriel interception or something, you know, that's, uh, that's going to be a sight to behold. It'll probably be better though, Tom, than, Having to deal with old Charlie when he's screaming at the TV when, you know, there's only three of us in the living room. Like, I'd rather just him get it out in the public and 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 just point to see, like, yeah, this guy, don't know him. Don't know him. Walk away. Blend in with everybody else freaking out after Dylan throws two in the first. Right? Yeah. He'll be the one <laughs> to Arnold, you know, by halftime. I don't think they'll have too much to worry about in the first game. I think OU will be okay. Arkansas State. Um, they are – is it the Red Wolves? The Red Wolves, yes. Ah, so they used to be – they used to be like your favorite team from Washington, D.C. Did they? No, they did. They were never the Redskins. I think they were <laughs> always the Red Wolves. So they, they were the ones that took initiative before anybody else. So you should, re- you should respect them more. <laughs> the pride of Jonesboro. Uh, oh God! In that, well, I say Jones. In that, no, Jonesboro is not like the white nationalist town in Arkansas, is it? Uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, well, there is one. There is one, but it's close to the Oklahoma border, so that's not saying a lot about my home state either. Yeah. Um, that escalated quickly. That went dark. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it did. As long as you're not listening to the the uh, the white power radio, I think you'll be fine. Okay. Uh, so I'll have a good time. Looking forward to that. Uh, going to spend uh, Saturday there and then uh, bring the family back to DFW for the weekend and uh, get my cowboy on at Stockyards. So, uh oh, yeah, go that uh, that cattle parade and everything. Yeehaw, you know, oh, he's putting his boots on, baby. Put my boots on, you know, yeah, get that Morgan Wallen bumping, you know, and Luke. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing, like with summer winding down, not only just sad to see the summer of Jones finally in, I feel like Tom, I know you're a big music guy. You can relate to this. My, my music changes season to season. Like this time of year is a whole lot of country music, like summertime and country music, not to go off on a tangent. I usually leave that to you to do, but (laughs) go hand to hand it just feels right no it should i mean it's uh i mean damn it it's college football season i mean i think the two best songs this summer were probably fast car and last night i mean i'm a little i'm a little um i got a little bit of bias it's tracy chapman is always going to be the artist to do fast car i like i will say better I, I don't think he is. I, I I'm do, biased though. I, I I knew I knew Tracy Chapman fast cars for 
I, the first time I heard that song was when I was a senior in high school, and that was 13 years ago. I will say so, there was plenty of times this summer where last night we let the liquor talk. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, that that's a classic one though. Oh, it's a vibe. It is. I well, mean, we're on this show. I just got done playing a brewery actually, and I played that song. So, but I did. I did play. Uh, I did play a mix of it. And if you know music at all, I, I played a mix of it. I have a mix of that last night, Morgan Wallen, yeah. mixed up with Eminem's "Shake That Ass with Me," "Shake That Ass with Me," <laughs> and it. I mean, and it. It's every time everyone thinks it's "Shake That Ass" because it plays the beat, and then it drops. Last night we literally could talk. It makes <laughs> Theo Vaughn proud. Oh man. Uh, I'm doing what I can. What I've been doing on when I listened to last night on my TV, I put the lyrics version up. I'm getting myself ready to sing that at karaoke soon. I'm waiting on it. I'm, I'm in training. I'm training for the karaoke moment to sing last night by Morgan Wallen. Yeah. I have some time. Let me, let me get one down in San Antonio and we'll put you on first. Yeah. Uh, I'll make it happen. Uh, you better believe it. Tom, uh, we're, we're going to have plenty of NFL discussion uh, coming up later on. And next week will be more of an NFL-heavy show with the NFL season starting next week. But I want to begin today with just the college football thing uh, side of things, and then we'll get to our Big 12 breakdown here in just a second. But, uh, you know, looking at this week ahead and – the the great unknown, right? I mean, it, it's so fascinating to me. I look at some of these games that we're seeing here this this week one, and you know LSU Florida State. That game, obviously, the best game of the weekend. But do we really know how good LSU and Florida State is? I mean, I'll say this, and this might be one we check back the tape on later this year. I hope. We don't actually what I'm about to say next. But it very well could be the case. Tom, I would I'll say this right now. I would not be shocked at all. I know it's a top eight matchup. If we circle back at the end of the year and we say to ourselves, you know what? We hyped up that LSU Florida State game and those two teams were frauds. I mean, LSU and Florida State, like they're quarterbacks. Everybody's hyping up Jordan Travis and you know, uh Jaden Daniels and all this. And I'm like, neither one of them are that great of pastors here. Look at the talent around them. I mean, it's all right. But I, I think Sunday night might be a game, might just be a game of two seven or eight win teams when it's all said and done. That's my that's my hot take for the, the weekend is, although I'm excited about that game, Slow your roll here. Those teams got a lot more to prove than I think people realize. Oh, I agree for sure. I, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I feel like I see a lot of people taking Florida State, um, for the you know college football playoff, and you know, okay, I can see that a little bit, maybe, maybe, but I feel like the last times that we've seen Florida State prior, even well prior to Jameis Winston, and even after. After they got that hype, they've always been dog shit, and they're they're kind of like a. Um, 
I mean, kind of like a like a great value Texas at this point. Even LSU to an extent, Tom. Like that was one of the most fraudulent ten win seasons I've ever seen. You're talking about the non-championship winning season. Yes. This this past year when LSU won 10 games. Oh, yeah. They were – they they scheduled 10 wins is what they did. Like, (laughs) I think Brian Kelly's a good coach. I thought he was the right hire and everything, but they had a whole lot go their way. And in that SEC title game, they did not belong in that same field as Georgia. Now, you could say that about – but it was very evident, like, this team, what are they doing here? I think that LSU and Florida State, these two teams that just have me facing each other here, I- I'm not buying the hype yet. I-, I-, I need to see more. Now, wait a second. I'm trying to remember. Obviously, it's been about a year ago. But if I do remember correctly, didn't these two teams face each other in the first game of the season last year? It did. It was at the Superdome, and uh, Florida State beat LSU on that block PAT. Yeah, I mean, yeah, last second. So they're, I mean, what's what's the spread here? Uh, LSU two and a half. We'll pick that game later. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I like a revenge tour. You yeah. know, I like a revenge tour, but neither of these teams, I think. I don't see a whole lot of people picking LSU to make the college football playoff. But, I mean, I get that, though, because of what, you know, conference they're in. For, you know, for Florida State, it's not really that crazy. I mean, who else do they have to go against? Clemson? Right. So, if if they don't shit the bed and come away with a one-loss season and win the ACC, well, then – you know, even if they come away with two loss, you know, if they lose to LSU and then lose one in conference, I I don't believe that much in Dabo and Clemson that they could come away, you know. Um, so not that crazy to think that. I mean, but, the, this game's already in big trouble. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, but. You know that's why they make these marquee matchups at first. You know you what a, I mean NCAA and you know the beat. Oh, I mean it's not the BCS anymore, but the playoff. You know you remember the BCS of saying every game matters. I mean it obviously did because OSU didn't get the chance to 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 go to the national championship game. But I mean laugh back at that statement every game matters well this game really does matter in the grand scheme of things if you have championship aspirations and right. i think both these teams think they have championship aspirations but yeah, yeah. i mean even yeah. if lsu wins this game they're the likelihood that they make the sc champion sec championship game is still yeah I mean, because you still got Alabama in that division and and all that. Um, you know, the other marquee game, North Carolina and South Carolina, really good quarterback matchup. Drake May, who I've been very high on for a while, my number two quarterback in uh, my QB rankings for for this year and heading in towards next year's draft. And then um, your other favorite, Caleb Williams. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and Spencer Rattler in this game. Going up head to head with uh, 
with Drake May. Uh, I think Drake May is going to be spectacular. I think he's going to have a big night, and you're going to see him perform well. I just don't know what Spencer Rattler is going to show up. Spencer Rattler, Tom, he's got the talent and capabilities to go toe-for-toe with Drake May. We could have a shootout and have a hell of a game on our hands on Saturday night between these two teams. And then Spencer Rattler might throw three interceptions as well. Like, that that to me, and and I'm not trying to give away my pick that I'm going to give later on this, but I'll tell you this right now. I... I think the difference in this game is I can trust Drake May more than I can Spencer Rattler. Uh, it's it, it's like the, you know, put it this way, Spencer Rattler is, you know, Drake May is what Spencer Rattler was supposed to be. See, I, I somewhat agree. I think from what we've seen from Spencer Rattler playing for South Carolina, Rattler is higher risk, but he's also higher reward. And I think Drake May is kind of maybe more neutral and like uh, pretty good risk, but and pretty good reward. But you know, he's well, he's maybe lower risk, pretty good reward. Whereas Spencer Rattler is higher risk, higher reward. But if you hit on Spencer Rattler, then you might be damn good. Um, I mean, South Carolina could be a dark horse in the ACC, but I mean this this game, or not in S, yeah, like not in the ACC. I'm sorry. Um, I mean this game for these two teams is every bit as important as even LSU Florida State. Yeah, it's a rivalry game. It's in Charlotte, neutral site, and everything. It's going to be a great atmosphere. I'm excited. Then tonight, you got Florida and Utah. No cam rising for Utah. Utah still favored. Florida coming off a seven-win season. They're already coming for Billy Napier's head after his first year there with that program. Anthony Richardson's gone. Got to try to replace him. As much hype as there was about Anthony Richardson about a pro stop as a pro quarterback, it's not like he was that great as a college quarterback last year anyway. He, he, I mean, he was tremendous talent, but the, didn't necessarily result in wins. Uh, this, this you look back last year, Cam Rising played against uh, Florida, and they lost even when he played. Now you head to Salt Lake. You don't have your quarterback here. This is a trap situation for Utah Kyle Winningham, very good coach, though. I, I think that with Kyle Winningham going into tonight, what's different now, comparably speaking to last year, you've had all this time to prepare without Cam Rising, and you should get your team's attention of knowing that everybody's going to have to play their best with with knowing you're not going to have your best player there on the field tonight. Yeah, and I haven't really looked at the lines too much. How much did the line move, if at all, when Cam Rising was it, announced out? It was expected that he wasn't going to play. So it's still Utah four and a half. Yeah. I mean, it being in Utah, I think they have a shot. I mean, you you had a great point. Um, I mean, even with Anthony Richardson last year, Florida really wasn't worth a fuck, but – this was the only I mean, game Anthony Richardson played 
great last year was against Utah that opening night. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think what Anthony Richards just had going for him was he's kind of a prototype, right? Right. I mean, his his body's kind of built like a – I mean, it's like a four-man's Cam Newton. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he had that going for him, and, you know, he had to think of, well, do I play another year or do I just go ahead and get the hell out of here and go to the great state of uh, Indiana? But right. that being said, I mean, you know, we, we had – we have a, I don't know. We, I don't know what the right word is. We have a, a hate, a love hate relationship with Billy's on this show. We we love our friend Billy Locke, but uh, consequently, we hate the two Billy's that are are from Gainesville. Hey, uh, Napier and Donovan. Exactly. I mean, you think they'd stop hiring Billy's down there in Gainesville? I uh, hate him. If that makes sense. Uh, but nonetheless, our uh, Big 12 breakdown this week, uh, the first of the year. Let's get after it. Big 12 breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here. And uh, as we begin these breakdowns every week, Tom, our hot takes uh, on the Big 12 conference. Go ahead. Fire it up for me right away. Give me your first Big 12 hot take heading into 2023, Tom. First Big 12 hot take. I got to go, Jones, I got to go with uh, with my favorite Big 12 team. I'm going to give you a hot take. You got Alan Bowman on <laughs> Saturday night. Gets the start against Central Arkansas. I, and, and this is a hot take against OSU. I think OSU wins a tight one against Central Arkansas. I think Bowman struggles in his opener, and I think OSU wins by I, – if you said – I don't know what the line is, but I'm going to say OSU 13-and-a-half. I don't think they win by 14 points. And I, I think it's a little scare in Bowman's opener. Uh, I think OSU starts off the year as like, a, oh, shit. That's my hot take. Okay. Um, I like that. I think that's a, a very, uh, nice little spicy hot take there. Um, my, my hot take, uh, that I'm going to give you this week, kind of similar along your lines, as far as a team to be scared of sorts, there is not a team that has had a worse month than Iowa State. Oh man, you know how bad they are in the first month. They're they're always bad in the first month anyway. And with Deckers, their quarterback, and the gambling stuff going on, all these suspensions, I think Northern Iowa gives them a run for their money. Who knows? Maybe even Northern Iowa pulls off the upset here. I mean, did, didn't they almost like a couple years ago? Almost did. Yeah. Um, I'd stop scheduling Northern Iowa. And 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 you know that as a as a Jayhawk, you know not to schedule Northern Iowa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by our choice, but uh, yeah, Northern Iowa. I think uh, I think Iowa State is in for a rough year um, with everything that's going on, all the distractions there, and the players that are just you know being investigated and everything. Uh, I think they're going to come out flat 
Uh, I am not confident at all in the Cyclones. And Matt Campbell is going to be trying to find that lifeboat. Uh, it's just it, it, what I think, honestly, you want to take a step further in hot tech, Tom? I'll, I'll say this real quick. Um, for Matt Campbell this year, I think either he's got to find that lifeboat quick or the door might be hitting him in the back. Like they, they, they might point to him and say, Hey, we had a down year and this gambling stuff and all this happened in your watch. Maybe you're done, Matt Campbell. I, I think my, Matt Campbell, this is his final year at Iowa State one way or another. I mean, yeah, he, he kind of got the fuck out last year while the getting was good and he didn't. Um, That's an interesting point. Um, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to find it right now. What is the line for that game? Um, line because it's an FCS opponent. Uh, oh, I guess that's true. But um, Jones, I, I I'll take your hot step even or your hot take even further. I'll take. I don't know. How, I mean, it's obviously bullshit at this point, um, because I'm not putting any technically money any on the line. But you know, give me Northern Iowa. Okay. If you want to say give me, if you want to say give me seven points, I'm taking Northern Iowa. I we we've all know how Matt Campbell does in the, in September. He he's no Brock Purdy. This this is not Brocktober. This is not Brock Timber. Um, give me Northern Iowa. I mean, I think Iowa State. Best case scenario for them, they start two and one. They're gonna lose against Iowa. They're gonna lose against the Hawkeyes, even though that game's in Ames. Um, they I mean they got Northern Iowa, Iowa. And then Ohio. Yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, if you want to talk about an upset of the week, and I don't know if you could really call it an, an, an upset upset, but Northern Iowa could very well win this game. He's, I, I mean, that's that would not be shocked. Okay. The offshore line I found has this as Iowa State by six. That's it. So yeah, give me Northern Iowa. Okay. So there's our hot takes for the week. I like that. I like it too. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh let's go game by game. We'll roll through these real quick. Uh in the Big 12 conference this week. Uh this still sounds kind of weird to say, but we begin with a Big 12 matchup featuring UCF tonight against Kent State on FS1. Uh UCF 35 and a half point favorite. Gus Miles on the Gus bus with one of the most high powered offenses. I think you're going to see in the big 12 this year, they're going to put up points uh, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. I think UCF's got the capabilities of winning eight, maybe nine games and no reason why they shouldn't put on a show tonight in their first official game as big 12 members, Tom. Yeah, I think they, I think they will, you know, they're playing in Orlando that hurricanes coming through. Are they going to cover 35 and a half? No. Uh, I I'd, I'd like that line more at about twenty four and a half. Um, I do think KU taking on Missouri State. Uh, KU on Friday night going up against this Missouri State team. Obviously, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. Bringing back you know uh, Jalen Daniels, uh, bringing back uh, Devin Neal and that dynamic offense. 
the main thing I want to see uh, out of this Kansas team is the defense has got to take a step in the right direction. The defense was not good last year while the offense was explosive. You got the best quarterback. You got the best running back in the league. Defense needs to take that step with them too. Um, you know, Kobe, Kobe uh, you know, and those guys there. I mean, they, they got some – they do have some dudes they got to put together. I know it's Missouri State's. But what I want to see, what would be a successful night for Kansas, is not just to go guns a blazing offensively, but the defense needs to show that it can hold its end, too. If they do that, that would certainly be a great way to set the tone for this Jayhawks team. No, I think so, too. And and you know what? Missouri State gave OSU a scare last season, and I know OSU wasn't the best, and KU beat OSU last year for the first time since you've almost been alive, but um, well, since you were really college football coherent, but that being said, uh, I think KU does get the win. Obviously, you know it's in Lawrence, but I'd I'd, I'd like to see KU. You know, you you mentioned the defense. I'd like to see Lance Leipold and crew just, you know, for lack of a better term, go out there and lay some dick. You know, go out there and fuck them. You know what I mean? Like, go out there, control the game. But then just let you know, start laying pipe. I, I need to, I need to see that killer mindset out of KU before I can really, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt in most games. I need to go out and see them just be ruthless. Tom wants to get that pipe. Um, Saturday, I mean, noon. yeah, Lance Leipold needs to lay it down, baby. Big noon kickoff on Saturday, Colorado number six, ECU. Um, this is a future Big 12 matchup. Um, TCU, Tom, uh, you know, Colorado, obviously a lot of excitement. Dion's debut and everything. They bring in a lot of talent. Dion did a great job with the talent he was able to assemble on this roster. Chandler Morris, now he gets his job back after, you know, losing his job in this very game last year to Max Duggan. I like Chandler Morris. I think he's a good quarterback. Honestly, I think for TCU, it, the most important thing, you know, everybody I think is still looking back at them going to the national championship and how ugly they got embarrassed in that national championship game. I, I think you need to put everything that happened last year behind you, come out of the gates, set the tone, go score, and, you know, get, get started right away. You know, sit, just blow this – Colorado team from the jump of this game. Get this thing started right away. I think that's going to be the key for TCU uh, to put everything behind last year and and, and just come out guns a blazing from the beginning of this one. You know, if Colorado wasn't joining the Big 12 and they, um, you know, maybe chose another conference or they weren't so – I mean, that's a Dion point of view, the arrogance. Um. You know, I would I would be somewhat rooting for Colorado, but at the same time, I, I'm I'm here with you. I, I think, and I don't really like to root for former Sooners by any means, or just Sooners in general, whether that be transfer or not. But I hope TCU comes out and punches them in the mouth, kind of like a welcome to the Big Twelve, you son bitches. You know, like go out there and let them know that you can get all the preseason high if you can get all the headlines, but. Hey, we might have got our ass whooped in the national championship, but we're still, um, 
you know, you almost want to call them. It's it obviously didn't work the same as the NBA, but we're in a sense Western Conference champions still. Right. We might have got an ass whoop, but go out there and, and have some contingency. Yes, for sure. OU and Arkansas State, uh, the game I'll be at Saturday. Uh, OU, big favorites, 35 and a half. Um, really, for OU, it's playing mistake-free football. Um, you know, I know that they're a little undersized defensively. Um, you know, they got some question marks at the receiver position on offense. Um, the best way that you can deal with those inefficiencies that we already know OU has is by limiting mistakes. And I think it's Dylan Gabriel not turning over the football, just taking care of those little things. If they eliminate the mistakes, then that's going to go a long, a long ways. That's what I want to see from this OU team this week. I mean, I think the OUMO is to uh, let Arkansas stick around, Arkansas State stick around for, you know, maybe about the first 13 minutes of the game, and then they'll pull away. But I do like the Arkansas State to score at least maybe 14 to 17 points in the first half to kind of give everybody there a scare for a second, and then Oklahoma will win, you know, probably like a – 46 to 14 type score. Um, we already talked about Iowa State, Northern Iowa, and our hot takes. Uh, Texas and Rice. Uh, man, so much excitement and energy about Texas. I think one thing I'm watching for, Tom, is Quinn Ewers, how Quinn comes out of the gates, second year at UT now, and everybody's been talking about Arch. They've been talking about Malik Murphy, too, who had a very good spring. Quinn Ewers... He's got a chance not only to take this team potentially to the college football playoff and all that, but to play his way into the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, let's see if Quinn Ewers comes out of the gates and looks like that potential pro quarterback. I'm very curious what uh, Quinn Ewers does right from the jump. Yeah, I think he'll be good, too. Um, I'll tell you what, um, and I think for the rest of the hateful eight, uh, I'll be an Owls fan come this Saturday. Um, I think, you know, I think Rice can, uh, I don't think they can give us, I don't really think they can give them a scare, but I hope Bryce puts up a tough game against Texas. It's going to be, can you imagine how hot it's going to be? It's going to probably be a hundred degrees at least on the field come that kickoff time. Um, but I think there's a lot of hype around Texas. I think that stadium is going to be loud. Um, and then obviously Rice is just going to Austin to collect a paycheck, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, meanwhile, uh, Cincinnati, uh, their game, they play against Eastern Kentucky. And, uh, you know, this uh, this Cincinnati team, you have a new head coach. You know, Scott Satterfield comes in out of Louisville. And, you know, Tom and I, we are not the biggest fans, but Emory Jones, former Florida quarterback, comes in. He's going to be the starting quarterback and, you know, they should win this game with ease. But I, I want to see Emory Jones just ball out and what what he's able to do. I don't want to see the Emory Jones we saw two or three years ago at Florida that was just a turnover and mistake machine. We know he's a hell of an athlete. Let's see him control a football game here and get comfortable, getting get in rhythm with this uh, Cincinnati team. I mean, and what better opponent against Eastern Kentucky, you know? 
if you wanted to pick a directional um, type Kentucky team, I, I don't think there's a North or South Kentucky. Um, I know there's a Western Kentucky, and, you know, I think Cincinnati's starting out of the gate here in their first year in the Big 12. I think Cincinnati is, is better off playing to start out the gate Eastern Kentucky rather than Western Kentucky. So um, I like Cincinnati to win this. Um, do you have an offshore line on this game? Uh, not on me right right now, but uh, I would imagine I would imagine it's twenty four and a half plus. Yeah, I'll I'll circle back on that later. K State taking on a uh, Semo. Uh, what a brutal name for a school, by the way. Can we acknowledge that Semo? I mean, uh-huh. that's that's tough. K State number sixteen in land. Will Howard's back. Deuce Vaughn's gone. But you have maybe the best defense in the conference. Uh, you got so you get a lot of playmakers, veteran group, physical. Uh, this game won't be close. Uh, K State might just pull off a shutout and win. You know, fifty to nothing. I mean, they're they're going to play bully football, do whatever they want. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I feel a lot of like K State the last couple of years has been. Hey, we're a really good football team, and we're really, 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 really close. Uh, I mean, obviously, last year was pretty successful. Besides the bowl game, you know, maybe the biggest um, game they've ever played in the history of K State. Um, obviously, didn't do so hot there, but uh, I, I like to see Climbing, Chris Climbing, and the team continue on. I mean, we what we talked about two weeks ago, and I told you that I think K State can go to the playoff and. Uh, maybe even make the championship game. So I'm going to keep riding with the Purple Cats. Um, SEMO is not really I, – I think maybe the Bixby Spartans could maybe beat Southeastern Missouri. So, um, you know, give me 56-3 to Cats. Uh, Baylor and uh, Texas State. Tom, uh, do you know who the new head coach at Texas State is? Some of you should be familiar um, with um, let me guess. It's probably, if I can guess right, maybe he, um, his name escapes me, but I think he probably coached, uh, TU at one point. Uh, played for TU. Uh, that would be former TU quarterback, a legend. One of the best TU quarterbacks of all time. GJ Kinney is the new head coach at Tech. Yep. And, uh, he replaces another Tulsa guy. And uh, Jake Spavinall. Uh, who... uh, Spavinall is the one I was really thinking of, yeah. Yeah. They're playing Baylor. Uh, Baylor down year last year. Randa's got a lot to prove. Um, I think Texas State, they can put up some points offensively. It, it's going to be very interesting to see how – if if this is competitive in the first quarter, then I would expect it to be all game. If Baylor comes out – out of the gate strong, they won't back down. We'll know everything we need to know in this first quarter. I think so, too. Baylor, 28-point favorite. I think the uh, I think Texas State could cut that a little close. If it was 27-and-a-half, I'd like Baylor even more. But I do like Baylor here. I think they get the job done. But Texas State, I think they could, uh, you know, I, I guarantee you, Jones, if they don't win, the one consolation prize that they can come away with is I guarantee you Texas 
State's way more fun to party at than Waco. Yeah, I can guarantee you that based on our experience in Waco, and that's enough about Waco from there. Uh, <laughs> UTSA and Houston. UTSA is favored on the road against Houston. Donovan Smith, the new starting quarterback. Let's go. Uh, Kate Clayton Toon, who uh, now is in the NFL and might actually start for the Arizona Cardinals next week. Uh, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> um, but Houston, I like Donovan Smith. I liked him at Tech. Uh, things didn't necessarily work out. But an underdog here, you're at home, two-point game. Uh, if Donovan Smith looks like the Donovan Smith we saw at Texas Tech, they have no business losing this game. Uh, they they If he plays to his capabilities, they should win. No excuses. Yeah, they probably should. But, Jones, this is my new hometown team, baby. I will be about 15 minutes away this time next month from that campus at UTSA. I'm going to roll with, I'm going to roll with the road runners, baby. I, I like UTSA. They played good last year. Um, you know, for UTSA standards, um, and they've been kind of on the come up. I can tell you from like, I remember when OSU played UTSA in like maybe 2016, 2017, absolutely beat the dog shit out of them, like 66 nothing. Um, and since then, UTSA has been on the come up. Give me University of Texas at San Antonio to get the job done in Houston this week. I'm I'm taking UTSA. Uh, we talked about Central Arkansas and Oklahoma State uh, earlier in our hot takes. West Virginia and Penn State. Tom, Penn State favored by 20 and a half. We are picking this game later, but Neil Brown, that team just is awful. I mean, if we're going to be real with you, that is talent-wise the 14th best team in the Big 12 Conference. And they are just pitiful. They're, there's nothing good about that West Virginia team as far as I'm concerned. Penn State's top 10 team. This is going to be an ass kicking. This will not be close. Uh, blood bank guarantee. And now we're on Neil Brown watch. We're, we're counting down the days. I've been calling for this guy to be fired for over a year, Tom. Now we should be another day close. If, if, if they if- – if they don't beat OSU in that last season game last year in that cold, drizzle day in Stillwater, if they don't pull that off, we're not even talking about Neil Brown as a coach right now. That, the, the line's only 20 and a half. That and the winning. This, in- this, if you're going to put your money down. Yeah. Go ahead. I said they had no business being OU late in the year either. No, yeah, they didn't. And, and you know, that's, that's like uh, – um, you remember the K-State basketball Bruce Weber days where they're like, oh, my God, we want to win this game, but at the same time, let's get our ass kicked so Bruce Weber can get fired? Yeah. Um, I, I guarantee you the West Virginia fans feel the same way. The line is only 20 and a half. If, so far, the games we talked about, if I'm going to put the money down on some game, Penn State's going to win by more than 21. It might not be. It might be 24. It might be 28. It might be 31, but they're going to win by more than 21 points. I got, or it'll be 21 plus. Um, if I'm going to put my money down on one of these games this week, that's not an offshore bet. That's just a straight up already. The line's already set. Give me, give me Penn state here. It's in happy Valley. 
Like, you know, I know Penn State's kind of been disappointing as of late. They, you know, they haven't really they, – they're so-called good every year. But, you know, they've, it's, it's Neil Brown. It's West Virginia. It's the first game of the season. It's in Happy Valley. 20 and a half, it seems like uh, Vegas is just saying, hey, you want to make some money this weekend? You know, like – Funny. Here's the game. Um, Texas Tech taking on Wyoming. A lot of hype about Texas Tech. Uh, they've been kind of the sexy dark horse pick to win the Big 12 uh, that, that everybody likes with Tyler Schaff and, and just the excitement that there was off of last year's seven-win season, beating OU in Texas. That was a big deal for them. Um, we've heard the Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, straight up say last week that – Texas Tech has one job, and that's to beat Texas at the end of the year this year. Um, I mean, a lot of excitement about Texas Tech. Primetime game on CBS. I don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, <laughs> Wyoming, that's a weird place. Primetime game. Something something spooky about this one, Tom. Um, Texas Tech should win, but... Something gives me about something gives me the heebie jibbies, the, the heebie jibbies or whatever about this one here. I feel like Wyoming is the the uh western Iowa state that you know the Wyoming I can't even I can't even tell you as bad as it sounds and maybe a maybe a um maybe a Sunday night where I've rested and been good, I can tell you what city that Wyoming team is in. It's not Jackson Hole. Um they play in Laramie. Begin... They play Laramie. Laramie. They play at Jonah. Um, so you're entering a big fish. Well, I mean, yeah. So it's in Laramie. I can tell you it's a stat about this stadium. It is the highest elevation college football stadium in uh, well, Division One college football stadium that I know of in the United States. So get your oxygen ready. See, um, that's something spooky, man. Like it's spooky shit. That's what I'm saying. And the spirit of Josh Allen. Um, you never know. You never know. You you know, as spooky as Texas Tech is, you know, ooh, they could be the dark horse. Well, they could go out and shit the absolute bed. Uh, wouldn't be shocked. Tech by fourteen is the line. That's that's a little high for me. Yeah, that's a little high. I could see Tech. You know, if it was eleven and a half, twelve and a half, something like that. That's more. You know, that's more applicable in my eyes. That you know, Tech first game out of the gate. You know, well maybe, but they might have a. You know, they played well last season. They showed a lot of promise last season. You could call this, in a way, Jones, tell me if I'm wrong, you could almost call this like their sophomore season, their sophomore come up, yeah. and they could have a sophomore slump. They really could. Good. And um, reverse. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch this game with a 10-foot pole. They usually are the ones that are the spookiness, you know, like I'll play in Lubbock on a Saturday night, you know, and, and – now the reverse spookiness. BYU and uh Sam Houston. Uh and uh I'll say this, BYU should 
beat the crap out of Sam Houston. I think that line's a little slow, a little low. But uh, Keaton Slovis on his third different college football team, um, you know, was at USC and then went to Pitt. He probably never thought he was going to be living in Provo, uh, but here he is, <laughs> our quarterback and everything. Um, I want to see the Slovis that we were supposed to see at USC a couple years ago. Obviously, he's a talented player. Um, they've had a great run of quarterbacks as of late. Max Hall's in the NFL now. Zach Wilson barely in the NFL now. Um, they got uh-huh. a guy in them. Let's see if Slovis is that next guy. Ever well might be. There's no reason they should even, you know, be playing around in this game. This is some child's play, shooting fish in a barrel type shit for for BYU. Yeah, I think so. So there you have it. That's uh, our Big 12 breakdown this week. More college football discussion and a look around the league uh, as we're going to be joined by Riley Gates coming up in a few moments. Also, the football fix with uh, Coach Bo presented by O'Connor Advisor Group coming up later on. Uh, our final draft season segment as well. And uh, Tom Fullery to end things when we wrap up. Stick around. Riley Gates joins us next. Join us now on the Jones Report this week. Very excited to have on our friend Riley Gates from On3 to talk all things college football with the college football season officially starting this week. Riley joins us right now. Riley, appreciate the time as always, my man. What a great time, right? Football finally back. Very excited, very excited. It's, uh, you know, best time of the year, obviously, for a sports fan, just because, I mean, even if you're a diehard baseball guy, uh, you know, there's nothing like getting the football back. And we got a little bit of a taste of it last week. There were some good games, like strong people are going to talk about a Notre Dame blowout. But there were some good games, entertaining games, but uh, it's going to be good to have everybody's favorite team back on the field playing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, conference realignment, obviously, was a huge topic this offseason with all the changes that happened. And obviously, there's still some uh, a few moves to be made to figure out what happens to the Pac-4 Overall, uh, the big debate seems to be, is this better or worse for the sport? What's kind of your takeaways from the events that unfolded this summer? Um, I'm, I don't want to say indifferent to avoid the question, but I, I don't think it's like bad necessarily. I don't, I don't like the fact that, that UCLA is going to be going playing teams like uh, you know, Rutgers and they're going to be playing teams uh, like Maryland all the time. Like, I don't think that's necessarily good for the sport. Like I, I think there's a lot of value in regional rivalries and the conferences that, that you and I grew up with. Like, I think there's a lot of value in that, but the way that I, it, it honestly like was, was very apparent to me last week. Like all I was told all summer was like, Hey, this is bad for, this isn't going to be exciting for college football. And all I saw last week was people sit on the edge of their seats and analyze how Dana Dimmel and UTEP lost a game like it was the national championship game. So it it, it is not ideal in, in terms of what everybody wants to see, but like I don't think it kills our love for the sport. I think our love for the sport is going to remain the same. Um, I think currently today, like with the 14 playoff format, we're all just kind of numb right now because we're, we're getting the same teams over and over again. And the realignment makes us think nothing's going to change. I think with expanded play, we're going to see some changes. Um, I think with the realignment, we could see some changes. I mean, you never know what's going to happen to recruiting. So, look, I, I'm not a f- huge fan of it. If I had my choice, no, I, I, I don't want 
Arizona and Arizona State and Utah in the Big 12. Like, I don't want that, but I'm choosing more to embrace it more than I am to to kick the, the rocks in the dirt and say, oh, I don't like this, and it's going to ruin my sport. Yeah, that's fair. And, Riley, I'll, I'll look at it this way. You know, the best thing about college football is it's regular season. It's the best regular season in all the sports, the most meaningful. And as we expand the playoff and kind of devalue the regular season of sorts, what we're getting as a result of expansion, maybe we're losing out on some of these rivalries, sure. But, I mean, we're going to get better regular season games as a result now with uh, Alabama and Texas being a regular occurrence beyond this year or Ohio State and Oregon or uh, maybe, you know, Kansas State and Arizona State. Like, I, I understand that you, you lose some of those regional rivalries, but I, I personally believe we're getting a better product as a result of uh, getting better matchups. What say you? Absolutely. And look, there's some situations where you're getting absolutely robbed of, of some awesome rivalries. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State's probably, probably among the biggest of them. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, I think Bedlam's one of the special games in college football, but guess what? Like 10 years ago, Texas and Texas A&M was one of the biggest rivalries in college football. And we made it through that. So I'd love to see Oklahoma, Oklahoma State play every year. I do think one day we'll get to a point where they set that up. That's a different conversation. Um, but we made it through these. We've made it through these things before. Um, and and like you said, we will get new rivalries. We will get exciting games. Michigan, Ohio State's always going to be there. Um, and you know who's to say that that USC and Nebraska per se? Let you know I, it's not regional, but it could become an awesome rivalry. Um, I just think overall, like, I, I hate to repeat what I just said, but I think if you as a college football fan decide to lean into the realignment, I don't think it's as bad as necessarily you you might think it is on the surface or or what a lot of people are telling you. Like, and, and especially from the, from the local standpoint, K-State's still going to play KU. Um, that's happening. We still have a lot of these other Big 12 rivalries, but also, like, with the realignment does come some – some reunion like Colorado is coming back to the big 12 and I right. will fully admit I was against it. Uh, the first time that I heard Colorado coming to the big 12, I said, Nope, I don't want them back. They chose to go to the pac 12. They chose that. They, they thought that was the best. Let's, let's let them die with the ship. Um, but I've decided it, I've kind of come around. I've changed my mind. I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be, and you know, I don't maybe – I have memories of K-State playing Colorado, for example, like growing up, seeing it. My dad has all-time memories, like him and his fraternity brothers going to Boulder and, like, making that a Big 12 rivalry. So, I, like I said, I think there's a lot of positives with realignment. Um, and I'm not going to dig my heels in and say I don't want it to happen because I'm smarter than that. Like, I know it's going to happen whether or not I like it. So, uh, you know, adapt or die, as they say. Yes, Exactly. Uh, looking ahead to this season, uh, officially underway week one here, the, the big story, obviously the two time defending champion, Georgia Bulldogs, uh, coming in Riley, what do you think is, is this three in a row for Georgia or is, or is there somebody out there that that's going to give them a run for their, their money? How does the field stack up to this, uh, this Georgia team entering 2023, you think? It's the best shot in the last three years for someone to knock Georgia off, and I think it's going to happen. Um, I think Kirby Smart's a fantastic head coach. 
I think you can make the argument that he the best coach. I mean, I would still side with Nick Saban. You can make the argument, though, that he's the best coach currently in the SEC just with his current success. Um, But the way I see it, look, 19 and 20 year old kids are very difficult to motivate at times. And a lot of these kids have a taste of not one, but two national championships. Um, It's very clear to me in their off season issues, whether it's just a speeding ticket or whether it's a, a late night drinking and driving instance, these kids aren't necessarily fully locked in. I don't think. Um, And I know that's crazy to say about a two time defending national, but I just don't know that they have what it takes to get to three. And a lot of it stems back to their quarterback. Um, Yeah. I know Carson Beck's supposed to be great. I'm sure he will be very good. I haven't seen it though. And, and for everybody that tells me that Georgia is going to three Pete, Georgia has a great quarterback. We just haven't seen him. Why is Alabama not getting that same nod of the cap? Why is Ohio state not getting that same nod? Like they're not the only teams that, that are going through quarterback situations. Georgia's going through the same thing too. And so while Alabama might not have said, Hey, Tyler Buckner's our starting quarterback or, or, you know, whoever else that, that might win the battle. It's not like Georgia's really one leg up on anybody by deciding anything. And I believe Alabama has their quarterback. So, no, I'm not sold that Georgia's just this hands-down lock uh, to win the national championship. I do think they'll be in the playoff. Um, obviously, their schedule's insanely easy. Now, that's not a knock. They they lost Oklahoma, who probably would have given them a little bit of a push with, with the whole uh, realignment thing and, and losing that non-con game. Um, but their schedule easy as long as they can get past Tennessee they'll march right into the SEC championship at 12 and 0 so win or lose they're going to be in the playoff um I really think it's Alabama's year though I think Alabama's getting backed on in in terms of the SEC for sure um I I just like I said I understand the concerns of quarterback it's the most important position on the field but while everybody wants to raise arms and question what's happening at Alabama's quarterback situation like why aren't we talking about Alabama in any other position on the field? Like we aren't talking about how good their defense is. We aren't talking about how good their offensive line is. Just think that that's crazy to sit here and, and ho-hum about, Oh, does Alabama have a quarterback? It's Nick Saban. Like I'm sure he knows what he's doing and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, and uh, you know, I look at it this way with this Alabama team entering 2023 Riley the the way that Tommy Reese is going to run this offense, it's not going to be spread it out and, and try to score 45 points a game like we saw the last few years under uh you know Bill O'Brien and Sark and those other OCs. You know, they're they're gonna go back to what Saban did originally when he was on that dynasty run of establishing the run and and playing hard nosed smash mouth football first, more like an NFL style of some sorts. That that to me plays to Saban's strengths, especially if they do have these quarterback uh, question marks of some sorts to, uh, I mean, to not maybe depend on the offense to be just so uh, spread you out and dominant in that that facet. This this is more, I think, of of what, what Saban is best at, at winning at. Absolutely, and I think that his own players have told you offseason. I mean, I've heard so many times in press conferences, we want to get back to playing Alabama football. Dallas Turner said it probably 10 times at SEC media day. We want to play bully ball. We want to make you quit. So I'm not going to be shocked if you find Alabama in a lot of 
28 to 10 wins this year or or 24 to 7 like it could be a very low scoring team where hey Tyler Buckner is not going to win the Heisman or Jalen Milrow is not going to win the Heisman they're not going to light it up with a guy like Devontae Smith in the in the passing game but for, for as good as Will Anderson was I mean he obviously was an amazing defensive player they might have a better defense this year like I guess I'm just maybe I'm just a a sucker or I'm or I'm easy to buy in, but like I'm not going to be fooled by just two national championships to tell me, hey, Alabama's done. Like I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to fall into that trap, and I'm not going to be the one with egg on my face come January if Nick Saban's holding up another national championship trophy, saying, oh, how did that happen? Because I could easily see it happening. The SEC is is a very loaded conference, but I do think. Overall, in college football, we have we have a lot of teams that can contend. So I think it's actually while while Georgia, I think Georgia's plus two twenty to win the national championship, and Alabama's plus six hundred is number two. I think it's as wide open as it's been in a while. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think you make some very good points there. You know, you look at that that Alabama team, and it probably was a wake up call to Nick Saban that Stetson Bennett ended his career as a two time national champion and. Bryce Young didn't didn't win one. Yeah, uh, that you can win in that style still in today's college football. With that said, you mentioned how wide open it is when you step back out of the SEC, the Alabama Georgia sphere of influence. Who is the teams that you're keeping an eye on? Who could make a push to contend with Alabama and Georgia and make some noise uh, potentially to take the national title away from the SEC? Well, let me knock out the two obvious ones. That's Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, and I think that that's a very easy answer. It's very cliche, but it's very true. Um, you know, it's it's Michigan with definitely the most loaded they've been in the last three years. So, you know, you make the playoffs back-to-back years, and now you have your most loaded team. Like, I definitely think that that's a, a, a team to keep your eyes on. J.J. McCarthy's a fantastic quarterback. And we're talking about not just Blake Corum, but Donovan Edwards in the backfield. So I think Michigan's going to definitely be right there. Um, and and obviously Ohio State, just from the standpoint of Ohio State, is they're mad. Ohio State wants to get back. They want to not only win the Big Ten, but they want to beat Michigan. Um, and so that Big Ten East, right, it's down to those two teams, right? No, not really. Penn State's right there, too. And I think Penn State's going to surprise a lot of teams because I like Drew Aller, but Obviously, two at max are going to come out of the Big Ten. Um, so those are two you need to keep your eye on is Michigan and Ohio State. Everybody knows that. Uh, Clemson. I think Clemson is poised to be right there because everybody's writing them off after after seeing kind of how they struggled a little bit last year. But Cade Klubnick is the real deal. And now they have Garrett Riley from TCU, who we've we saw what he did with a quarterback like Max Duggan. And I don't mean that as a dig at Max Duggan, but at their highest peak, Cade Klubnick is ten times the quarterback that Max Duggan was, and that's just—I mean—that that's just pure talent. So if Garrett Riley can tap into that, I really think he has something special going on down there. I like Clemson to come out of the ACC, and then we come to the two teams that we saw on the field last week. Uh, that'd be USC and would be Notre Dame. Uh, let me attack the Notre Dame question first. I know it's Notre Dame. I know they always are in the mix and everybody's talking about Notre Dame. Nobody wants to hear about Notre Dame, but I think they're going to be there. I think Sam Hartman is the real deal. I thought he was the real deal at Wake Forest, but like, hey, it's Wake Forest. How much damage can you do at Wake Forest? I think, I think that he has an offense now that fits his style of play. 
Um, and I think Demarcus Freeman is is a really good coach. I think that, look, they're going to be battle tested. Don't get me wrong. So it's not going to be a question about Notre Dame. Notre Dame's going to either be nine and three and out of the playoff picture, or they're going to be eleven and one and firmly in the playoff because they have a challenging schedule. I I just think that's the way it's going to be. I I don't think there's going to be any questions about Notre Dame. We'll we'll know what they are. Yeah. And finally, USC USC is obviously. Uh, a team everybody's talking about, Caleb Williams, obviously winning the Heisman. Tyler, I don't want to – I've said this on like two or three radio shows. I hate Dirk, especially week zero when everybody's knocking the rust off. But why should I believe in Alex Grinch? Like, give me one yeah. good reason why I should believe in Alex Grinch. San Jose State pushed him for a quarter and a half, if not two quarters – and this is the most talented offensive team I've ever seen Lincoln Riley have, at least like going back to maybe like that 2019 Oklahoma team with Jalen Hurts uh, and, and CeeDee Lamb. But like he has everything he needs to win a national championship, but he doesn't have a defense that can stop a nosebleed. So like I said, I don't want to knee jerk, but I don't think I can see USC doing much better than 10 and two in the regular season and I don't think you're getting in at 10 and two with the field that we have this year. So like, those are the main teams I'm looking at right now. And, and I just don't think I can put USC in that category. So I, I know it's chalk. I know it's not what people want to hear. I know they want me to say Texas. I know they want me to say Tennessee, but like, I, I just think that's where the talent is in the sport this year. Well, and you look at USC schedule that finish to the season's brutal with Notre Dame on the road Utah in mid-October, I would imagine that Cam Rising's back by then. Uh, you know, Cal should be fine. Rivalry game, though. Washington, Oregon, and then a rivalry game against UCLA. That's a tough end of the season. It's hard to imagine they finish that uh, regular season unscathed uh, as far as that goes. But uh, nonetheless, it's, real quick about the Pac-12, it's – it's funny because the Pac-12 is dying from a from a right. realignment standpoint. This is going to be the best Pac-12 season we've had in probably a decade, five years. Yeah, a decade. Yeah, I was about to say ten. Like every there's a lot of good teams. Washington and Michael Penix. I, I understand the hesitancy with Bo Nix, but like I think Oregon could be good. USC. I think we're in for a very exciting Pac-12 season, which is unfortunate given what's recently happened with realignment. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, let's shift our focus now uh, to this week, week one. Not a bad week one. I think I like week two a little bit better, though. Uh, what games are you watching for this week? What catches your attention? Um, yeah, I mean, mainly right now, it's for me, it's it's in terms of just the Big 12, just because I'm trying to kind of get a better feel of, of what's going on in this league. Um, and, and, you know, I list all those contenders. I, I just don't really see a whole lot of uh, a lot of tests going on in terms of the teams I'm looking at. Obviously, now tomorrow, like on Thursday night, we have you know Florida playing playing Utah. That's going to be a big game, an exciting game. LSU and Florida State's definitely highlighting the weekend, though, right? I mean, it's just unfortunate. Well, I say unfortunate now. I'm not going to say it's unfortunate on Sunday when the game is is played. It's unfortunate that game's on a Sunday though, because it's it's hands down the most exciting game of the weekend because we're going to learn so much about two teams that, that everybody's talking about, you know, everybody's telling us that LSU is going to come out of the SEC West this year. And everybody's telling us that this is the year Florida state gets back on top in the ACC and, and takes down Clemson. So I think we'll very quickly learn 
again, you don't want to knee jerk from one game, but I think we'll learn like which of those two teams is serious or are they both serious and they just both hit a buzzsaw. Um, it, it, it is just, you don't like you, you do not want to take too much away. You will learn way more in week two than you will in week one. Um, but there's plenty of games throughout the weekend that, that are going to be exciting. It's going to be enticing. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's just, I think overall it's just good to kind of be able to, to get back. Cause we've had so much talk of like, what's going to happen to the sport and are we going to lose our interest in sport? And it's like, no, we're going to all sit on our couches this weekend or, or go to the games and you're going to watch, you know, K-State go play a, an FCS team. You're going to watch Alabama roll over somebody that, they, that they're not even going to think twice about, but it's going to be back and it's going to be good. And, and you'll kind of get back from the flow of things. And man, I'm just so excited. Like I, I, I love college football so much and, uh, I'm just so happy it's back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, last chance to really soak in the sport as we know it. Last year, the four-team playoff of OU and Texas and the Big 12 and before the Pac-12 falls apart and and everything. I mean, just massive changes coming after this year. Kind of just, you know, live in the moment, enjoy this, this last go-round of sorts before the sport dramatically changes next year. Uh, the league that you and I follow so closely, the Big 12, heading into 2023 – Riley, I don't know about you. I mean, I, I know you follow recruiting and the transfer portal and all that. And if this was just a beauty pageant of of talent to determine this league, Texas is without question, no doubt, the best team in this league talent-wise. And it's not even really close. But, like, there's so many other factors that are involved here. When you talk about coaching and chemistry and experience and all that, I, I if I, if we're playing you know NCAA football on the Xbox, Texas wins this league nine out of ten sims. But I can't trust Sark. Uh, you know the Texas ego is obviously a big deal here, and and I love what Kleiman's doing at K State. Uh, you know what we're seeing out of Sunny at TCU. I mean, just some of these other programs here. I, I, I don't think it's going to be as easy as people are making it out to be for Texas in the Big 12. What do you think? I 1,000% agree. If you took if you took the jersey that Texas wears and you took the Longhorn off the helmet and you slapped a power cat on it or you slapped a Jayhawk on it and you gave them that same roster, you gave them every single player on that team, you, you wouldn't even – you wouldn't even consider them as the hands-down – favorite to win the league because they're not a brand texas is a brand and now they have the talent that they need to be that brand that takes over right but why should we buy into texas why should we buy into a team that has won 10 win season in the last i think 10 years 13 years uh that hasn't won a big 12 championships 2009 i mean look they could be the best they could be the best team in the country this year quinn years could win the heisman it's not something i'm banking on but it's something that if it happened, I'd be like, okay, I mean, it makes sense. Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, I mean, they're a great team. But I'm not going to predict it. Like I said earlier with Alabama, like with Alabama, I'm not going to fade Alabama in the same sense I'm not going to back Texas because I'm not going to be the one standing there in December when Texas is 8-4 and four going, wow, couldn't see that one coming. Texas is who they are. And until they show you something different, you shouldn't be the one to buy into them. And, and yeah, they're a great team. 
they beat K-State last year. They smacked K-State two years ago. Like, But K-State's been a more complete team. K-State has more conference championships in the last however many years than Texas has because no matter what you put on paper at Texas, it just doesn't translate. And maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year they turn the corner. Steve Sarkeesian, I respect him as a coach, but I have to see it before I'm going to buy into it. So, no, I'm not going to go lay down money at Tex- on Texas at even money to win the Big 12 because it's a bad bet. There's so many teams in this league that can beat Texas, not only on a nightly basis, but it, on the big stage in, in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington, Texas. So everybody's eyeing in on them, and I just think that that's – I think it's a fool's errand. I think there's so many teams that can win this league. Realistically, you know, I think – I think I could see four for sure. I think I can make an argument for five teams to win the league. I think those teams are Kansas State, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech. And I'm not necessarily saying I agree with it, but I could see UCF doing it. Hmm. I, I don't I don't think it'll happen just because it's their first year, but they do have talent. They do have the coach that knows how to win at this level, but um no, I'm not. I'm not going to do the Texas thing. I refuse to do the Texas thing because it it just doesn't make sense. Um, and and I think the fact that we saw TCU and Kansas State battle out last year, I think that that tells you all you need to know. I mean, Riley, I'll put it this way: when it comes to UT, I honestly think they're going to beat Alabama next week. Um, but on the flip side, too, I would expect them to fall to a team like like K State or. Uh, you know, maybe even if it's if it's Houston or OU, whatever it may be, like they could beat Alabama, and I don't think we would sit here and be shocked. But they're still going to find a way to lose a game that they have no business losing later. They always do it, and and I hate to I hate to play that game of like, oh, haha, it's tra- traditional Texas. Like I want to be more analytical than that, but like it's just the facts. They'll go beat an Alabama, or they'll beat Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. And then they'll lose to Baylor or they'll lose to Iowa State. And it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I'm not – like I said, I'm not going to fall into that trap. Uh, I'm going to have to be shown that Texas can win league before I back them. And, look, I'm not going to call you stupid if you pick Texas to win the Big 12. Like I said, they they have an insane amount of talent. And at some point, talent does just win. If you're picking Texas to make the college football playoff and – even possibly when I saw somebody had him, I think it was in the national championship game. Come on, man. Like, let's stop going for clicks. Let's stop going for ratings. I, I'm in the clicks business. I'm in the ratings business. Like I get it. It's valuable, but it's not going to, it's not going to happen. I probably, I, I will put it down on paper right now. Texas will not make the college football playoff. Texas will not contend for the national championship period. End of story. Uh, who's going to take a big step up? Obviously, TCU was the big surprise breakout team, and they didn't win the league, but they made the playoff and only lost one game in the Big 12 title game. I know you mentioned UCF, but who's the team that that has your eye to take a big leap this year in, in the league? Well, I had it as Texas Tech, and then everybody decided to pick Texas Tech. So now it feels like I'm just going with the crowd when I say that. Um, so, I look, I want to say Texas Tech. like that's That is my pick. I'm very interested to see what Baylor does because I, I was very bought into Dave Aranda. I think he's a fantastic coach. Um, I think he has everything that you need to win 
in college football, especially at the Big 12 level. But last season was a little bit alarming. Like, it was like, oh, what what happened there? Like, you had things rolling, you you had it going, and then you took a massive step back. Like, I remember watching K-State play Baylor on the road, and I was just like, I don't even have a slight concern that K-State's going to win this game. Like, it's just not even a thought in my head. So, I'm interested to see how they rebound. And, and I think that they have, like I said, the coaching – and I think they have the talent to uh, to get back. Uh, overall, my my pick is Texas Tech. I just think they have talent, um, and I think they're gonna have a really nasty defense. I'm a little worried about Tyler Shuck staying healthy all year. Like I just don't know if he can do that, honestly. And I'm not just saying this because it's, it's your show. Kansas is one of the most interesting storylines in the Big Twelve this year. Yeah, because was it a fluke, or are we taking steps forward? Or are we just at what KU is? Right. I think Kansas, Kansas drastically overachieved last year. Obviously, sure. I mean their win total their win total was two and a half, and they made a bowl game. Should have won the bowl game. Uh, but but are we going to? That's the standard now, if you ask me. Especially with a returning quarterback. If KU doesn't win seven games, I think it's a failure. Like yeah, they were a really good team, and they they had TCU on the ropes. Like I said, they had Arkansas on the ropes in the bowl game. So. It's and, it, and now I'll say this: If KU's, let's say KU goes five and seven, and they fail to make a bowl game, but they they fought K State tough, they played t- TCU tight. That's that's not necessarily a failure. I mean, on paper it's a failure, but you can kind of use your own eyes, you can use your own brain, and realize like, hey, they were a solid team. They just caught a few bad bounces. Right. But if they yeah. go if they go four and eight again, and and Jalen Daniels isn't what he was last year, like. Then we have to be like, well, well, how did that happen? Like, what, what's gone wrong with Kansas? So I think everybody needs to be watching Kansas this year tightly and seeing just what they are. Yeah, I think the offense is going to be dynamic, but it's the same question it was last year. Is the defense going to hold up and hold its own? Because uh, that the defense had a lot of issues uh, all year long as far as that goes. Last question, we'll end on this. Um, when you talk about hot seats uh, in this league – who comes to mind? Uh, who do you think could potentially be handed a pink slip uh, by the end of the season uh, of some of these Big 12 coaches? Uh, Whose who seats are, are cooking here? Well, I think Neil Brown's got U-Haul on standby. <laughs> um, I mean, his his seat couldn't be hotter. I think he would have been out last year if his buyout would have been cheaper. Um, I just think for West Virginia, it just didn't make any sense to fire him. Uh, and, and they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. So barring any Barring a surprise season out of West Virginia, there's going to be a coaching change there. I mean, it it has to be a bowl game at minimum, and even even then, it might have to be a seven and five bowl game uh, to really secure him him much security. So I, I think he's on his way out. Um, and then, ironically, Dana Holgerson at Houston. I look, I don't I don't have his buyout in front of me pulled up or anything like that, so I could be way off here. But Houston's just not they're just not the team that everybody kind of thought he would have them at. Um, And, and especially going into the big two. Now I will say this about Dana Holgerson. I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt. He knows what it takes to win in this league. So, you know, I'm giving Gus Malzahn all the credit in the world for, for being a great coach, but Dana Holgerson knows the back 12, like the big 12, like the back of his hand. So um, he might be able to turn things around this year. I would, I would definitely have those two in the mix. Um, After that, I don't really think anyone's on the hot seat necessarily. My gun, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be very good this year, but 
I don't think Mike Gundy would ever be on the hot seat. The only other coach I would look at to to kind of be on the way out and have a coaching change for the 2024 season would be Matt Campbell at Iowa State. And I don't think it would be a firing. I think that would be a very much like, hey, I'm looking for the first train out of town because this gambling investigation has has just wrecked both Iowa and Iowa State um, and set them back significantly. I mean, it's going to be a few years before they're ever back in the picture. Matt Campbell missed his chance to really take that leap to, I mean, what we all assume he wants to do is go back to the Big Ten. Right. Um, so, but I, I don't think anyone in the SEC is going to hire Matt Campbell, but I could see him definitely leaving just to to change the scenery, get out of there, have a fresh start. Because I think, look, for as much as as K State Twitter loves to dunk on Matt Campbell, I think he's a great coach. I think he might be in a little bit over his skis trying to make Iowa State a Big 12 championship contender. Um, but I think he can succeed at a lot of places. So if they struggle a little bit, it wouldn't shock me if he's out the door. Every other coach in the league, though, I think they're fine. I think they're all going to be, you know, it, it would take a massive implosion or scandal to really flip things at any other school. Yeah, I think I think you're you're right about that. Riley, we're out of time. Appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, Check him out, uh, Riley Gates, on three, covering college football uh, and other stuff as well. On Twitter at Riley underscore Gates is where you can follow him. Riley, appreciate the time, man, as always. And we'll talk again down the line. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. So excited. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. You can find O'Connor Advisor Group online, oagcast.com, o'connoradvisorgroup.com. You can also check out the Coach Bono's podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, finally, football here. Football that's, is back, baby. That's a good thing at OAG. Yes, oh, we love football, and um, you know we got to catch them. We got we got our we got a little bit of you know got our whiskers wet a little bit last week, but uh, now we're full on. Here we go. College football is here. This is the best time of the year. College football is back. We're doing another week to the NFL. So let's get into it, brother. Let's go, let's go all the way. Yeah, don't don't be calling Bo uh, at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, you know, he'll uh, he'll get back to business at 8 a.m. on Monday. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, OAGcast.com, accountadvisorship.com for more. Bo, uh, we will do our first pickskin pick em of the year. We'll uh, pick 10 college games. We're going to pick 10 games every week. Uh, we'll do what we can to pick five college, five NFL. Um, but first and foremost, let me let me just get your thoughts with the little sampling we got last week in week zero, uh, highlighted by Notre Dame and USC in uh, the games they played, two top ten teams, and uh, Notre Dame dominates in Ireland. Meanwhile, USC, the offense looked great. Caleb Williams looked good, but that defense was awful. What was uh, kind of your takeaways and thoughts from what we saw week zero here? Okay, so I only saw those two games. Um, I watched Notre Dame. Uh, I watched most of Notre Dame. Um, they could have won that game by 70. They chose not to. They chose to just run the ball and, and, and bury the clock. We knew at the end of the first quarter the game was over. They knew they were better, and this is what they're going to have to do moving forward. So um, – I was impressed with Notre Dame. I was not like, you know, oh, they're worthy of this top 10 ranking or top 15 ranking. 
Uh, like it doesn't tell me that they are definitely a top thirteen. Through their thirteen, I think it is. It doesn't tell me that they're worthy of that. It is Navy with a brand new coach and a brand new situation. So I was expecting Notre Dame to run the score up. They were twenty point favorites, and you know I figured they were going to cover twenty, and they did. Um, but I was really impressed with their run game. I was impressed with their running back. Uh, they have a couple of them, but the main running back, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now, I was really impressed with. And then I watched the USC game. And, you know, I'm no Lincoln Riley supporter. Okay. He's always been kind of a quarterback's guy. Quarterbacks have you know done well with him. He's got the best one in the country. And it's a damn good thing. He has the best quarterback and the best player in the country because he don't know how to coach a coach an off a defense. He has no clue. San Jose State will not score twenty eight points again the rest of this season in any game, and they put twenty eight out there against USC. Now you can argue that it was because well USC was playing a track meet offensively. No, right. it wasn't. It was they got the ball and kept running it down USC's throat. If you're going to allow a running game to happen to hit you like that, you're in trouble against good teams. They're going to have to score 50 a game every week when they get to play Oregon and Washington. I mean, they're going to have problems with really good teams. That defense is not get it together. And if you look, they scored 56 against a bad San Jose State team. But you had the 100-yard kickoff return. Right. You had Caleb Williams taking a, a bad snap, throwing it to Jesus, and somehow 76 yards later to touchdown. I mean, that's 14 of their points. They get a short field on a turnover, which wasn't really a forced turnover. It was more of just a guy goes whoopsie with the ball. And then an interception. It's like, okay, yeah, I – I was really unimpressed with USC, so much so there is no way I can keep them in my top four. No chance. So go back to last week's tape and change it. Hey, I'm whoa, not whoa, picking whoa. USC. I cannot put them in the final four. Now, that defense was that bad. I mean, that they're not. But, I mean, Paul, come on now. Lincoln Riley or Alex Grinch, like, they've been together a long time. You should have seen this coming. You know what? Just because they've been together, I mean, it was very good. I mean, how many shitty garage bands are that have been together? That's my point. Years? They've yeah. never had a good defense under Lincoln Riley. What'd you expect? I expected at USC with better players, frankly. He's able to, I would expect at USC, he's going to get better recruits. And he's going to coach those recruits. He's got better players, but he's not coaching them at all. It's like he's sitting there. Okay, so the relationship between a head coach and a defensive coordinator should never be like the shit you see in TVs and the movies. It shouldn't be that the DC's running part of the practice and the head coach is running the offense. And I got a feeling that's what's going on. Oh, absolutely it is. I don't think he even knows who's on his defense. Um, no, they're in trouble. They're in trouble if they cannot find a way to get to the quarterback. If they cannot stop the run. They're going to be in trouble against Oregon, against Washington. They might be in trouble against Notre Dame. Yeah. If they can't stop San Jose State from running, how are they going to stop Notre Dame from running? And Utah? Oh, yeah. Utah's not? Yeah. So I I don't know. USC's in trouble, if you ask me. 
And I think it has everything to do with the, with the, with the head guy. Again, quarterback whisperer, maybe. And he's got the best player in the country. And Caleb Williams showed this week, this past week, that he is the best player in the country. That 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 play he made on the bad snap, it goes 76 yards, fantastic. Right. Nobody else in the country makes that play. I don't disagree with anything you just said. I, I'm just telling you, like, we all should have seen this coming. Nothing's changed. I mean, this oh is who he's always been and who Alex Grinch has always been. But nonetheless. Ridiculous. Uh, let's get to the picture. We'll, uh, we'll roll through these one by one here. Your LSU Tigers, number five in the country, take it out. Number eight, Florida State. The game going to be played in Orlando. Tigers, two and a half point favorite. Bo, what do you think about this one? Go Tigers. I mean, look, this is one of the best five teams in the country. Going in, I think they have, I think they have one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the country. Um, Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach. They lost this game last year. They played this game in the Superdome last year. Uh, Florida State beat them up three quarters. LSU got back in the game and would have won the game, but we're going to tie it with an extra point. And the extra point got blocked, if you remember last year's game. Uh, Florida State wins. I'm going to take LSU. I, I think that Florida State's good, um, but I don't think they're going to hang with LSU in this game. I think this is probably a 10-12 point game, if I had to guess. So I feel pretty good about LSU and taking LSU and laying two and a half here. Uh, th- this game for me is, is tough to pick. Um, LSU favored by two and a half here. I, I'm leaning towards Florida State in this game with the idea, Bo, with it being so close. I think that could go either way. Give me the points I can work with here. I could still have an LSU win and, and still cover that two and a half. I'm going to take Florida State that two and a half uh, there. Uh, Utah and uh, Florida, no cam rising for Utah. They are at home, a four and a half point favorite. Can the Utes get it done without their starting quarterback at home going up against this Florida team? You don't know. You know, with rising out, that makes us a big deal. To me, Utah was a great pick in this game. Um, with rising, you know, being out, and I expected to play now. That, to me, changes things. Um, he is phenomenal. I really like what I've seen with him. I like what I've seen with Utah. Utah is physical. And I just don't know what Florida is yet. This is, this is what week one's going to give you. So I'm picking the home team here and taking Utah. Uh, I'm going to go with Utah here. I think that you've had forever long to prep. Utah has known for a while they weren't going to have Cam Rising. I think that makes it a lot easier to get ready for this game. Um, with that said, I think Florida's just not very good. I'm going to go with uh, Utah here as well in, in this football game, get the job done. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, two very good quarterbacks. Drake May, who's expected to be a top five pick. Uh, Spencer Rattler uh, in his second year with the Gamecocks. South Carolina had a strong finish the last year. Neutral site game in Charlotte, rivalry game, North Carolina favored by two and a half. Bo, what do you think? I'm taking South Carolina. I'm going Beamer ball. I'm taking South Carolina. This is going to be a close game. I think we can go either way. Uh, but I'm going to take South Carolina and Beamer ball. Spencer Rattler in his second year. I think that's going to make a big difference. I do like Drake May, but I I like Beamer ball. Give me Shane Beamer. <laughs> uh, I'm going with a better quarterback here. I don't know what Spencer Rattler is going to show up 
he could throw three turnovers as far as we we know. Drake Bay is going to be a star NFL quarterback. I'm going with North Carolina uh, in uh, this one. So we got some disagreements so far already. Uh, Boise State and Washington. Washington, the number 10 team in the country. Got an NFL quarterback uh, in Penix that could be a first-round pick. 14 points at home. Bo, what do you think about uh, the Huskies favored by 14? Um, well, I think Washington may be the best team in the Pac-12. It may be the best team out West. And we don't know what we got with Boise, I don't think, here. I'm going to take Washington. Again, the home team is what I'm looking at here. Um, if someone's going to – this is a play that I, I think they'll cover 14. I, I think they'll win. Just don't know. I don't have a real great feel. I wouldn't play this game. But uh, I'll take Washington based on what I know. And I'll know more about Boise, obviously, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I like that Washington team. I like Michael Penix Jr. a lot. 14, though, is a little bit too high of an asking price for me. Um, we've seen Boise State's track record, traditionally speaking, is very good in non-conference games. I think they can make it more competitive than 14. I'll go Boise State to cover 14, Washington to win. Colorado and TCU, the debut of primetime Deion Sanders. Uh, back in DFW, taking on a TCU team that's coming off a national championship appearance. TCU favored by 20 and a half. Bo, what do you think? Can Dion make it competitive in his first game in Colorado? I'm taking Coach Prime and 20 and a half points. Look, he's got athletes. We'll see what happens. It didn't like TCU's running out there with an all-star team. Um I'm gonna take um I'm gonna take Colorado here. I, I I'm going TCU. Uh I think Colorado is uh it's going to take some time. I expect, Bo, I think you'll probably agree with me on this. I think Colorado is going to be one of those teams that's much better at the end of the season than they oh, are at yeah. the beginning. They'll, I think be, they'll be great at the end of the year. I agree with that. It is going to be a work in progress. So many new faces. You got 82 players that are new to this roster. It's going to take time. It's not going to be overnight. TCU – uh, Chandler Morris has been in that program a couple of years. I think he's a very good quarterback, good TCU team. I like TCU to cover uh, that 20 and a half point margin there. Uh, all right, we've only agreed on one game so far West Virginia and Penn State. Penn State, the number seven team in the land, Happy Valley, primetime Saturday night. Penn State favored by 20 and a half. What do you think here, Bo? I'm thinking Penn State. I think this is going to be a slaughter, just an out and out slaughter. I, I think West Virginia is a horrible football team. Uh, I think that Neil Brown will be fired by the end of the end of October at the latest. I'll go with Penn State cover it at home in this one. Clemson and Duke game is in Atlanta conference game. Uh, Clemson is favored by 13 in this matchup here. And Bo, I got to say, I know that you're not a Clemson guy at all. But I'm very intrigued with Cabe Club, Clubnick, their quarterback, who had a strong finish to last year, came in the ACC championship game, ended up winning that job. I think he's got a lot of potential here. This is kind of his debut on a national stage of some sorts. I'm, I'm very excited to watch him play uh, on Monday night. Hey, I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm taking Duke here. 
I think this is a Clemson win. I just see this being Dabo stepping all over his own deck. I just give me Duke to cover 13. Clemson may be the ninth ranked team in the country, but they're not the ninth best team in the country. Uh, they're not going to win their conference. They're not good. No. Are you going to give Clemson every game this year? Is this going to be an ongoing bit? No, no. It's just I'm just uh, I, I'm picking. I'm taking Duke and third. There's not many teams Clemson's going to beat by 14 points. Okay. And I think that week one, it's as good an opportunity as anybody's going to have for 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 a team to not know who somebody is. Yeah. And so that that's really the big thing for me in this one is that. I don't think Clemson's going to know what they're really dealing with in Duke. Not that I think Duke's anything special. I just don't think highly of Clemson. And I think Duke will keep this somewhat close. All right. Uh, next on the docket here. Louisville and Georgia Tech. This game also in Atlanta. Louisville a seven-and-a-half point favorite. Both, both these teams looking to make a splash in the ACC. And uh, – what do you think of uh, of this matchup here? This was the easiest game on the slate to pick for me. Well, this one in Penn State were the two easy ones for me. I think Louisville's going to run this game, run through Georgia through Georgia Tech. Um, give me Louisville here, a good team. Again, not a great team, but a good team. I like them to win. I like them to cover. I don't think they're going to have any problem with Georgia Tech. I don't think Georgia Tech's going to be a whole lot to get first-year coach. Not a whole lot going on. It helps they're going to be in Atlanta, but yeah, I there's nothing about this that makes me think that Georgia Tech's going to be competitive in this game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Louisville, you bring in Jeff Brom, who had a really good track record at Purdue. Yeah. I think that's a huge upgrade from Scott Satterfield. Um, Satterfield goes off to Cincinnati. Louisville's going to be better off. I think it's a good debut for for Brom. They get the win, and uh, they cover seven and a half. I'll agree with you there. Uh, Northwestern and Rutgers. Uh, it is a Big Ten conference game, and Rutgers is favored by six and a half. Bo, with everything that's gone on at Northwestern, can they put all that aside and make this a competitive game with Rutgers here? With Rutgers favored at home, that's that's the question. And you know, we were talking mentioned earlier, two games thought were the easy ones to pick. This one was difficult. You just don't know, like. If it was a, if there was consistency at the coaching situation there, I probably would take Northwestern. Rutgers is at home. You know, you've got a short training camp, so to speak, with Northwestern with all the problems in the offseason, what else happened in the last couple of months. It, to me, it leans on that game being at Rutgers is going to be an issue. I'm going to take Rutgers. I think this game's close. Or Rutgers just runs right over them, but I, I just don't know what's gonna what Northwestern's gonna look like. Uh, so I'm gonna take Rutgers here. Okay, uh, I'm with you for all the same reasons. Rutgers, uh, you know, it, this is not for me, Bo, a pick that's just glowing confidence in Rutgers and Greg Schiano. This is me picking against Northwestern here. Uh, I'll go. Yeah, with kind of me too in that situation. I agree. Last uh, on the list, Fresno State and Purdue. Uh, Purdue favored by three and a half at home. Bo, can uh, Fresno State go in and get the job done? I like Fresno here. 
I do. I like Fresno. I'll take the three and a half. Don't really know what Purdue's going to be with Coach gone. Uh, he's gone off to um, – we just talked about it over to Louisville. I, I don't know what we got here. So I'm going to take Fresno, and I'm taking them because you're getting three in the hook. This is a field goal game one way or the other, I'm thinking. So um, I can see Purdue winning at home. I mean, just because the home game. Fresno's gotten better each season, last couple seasons. I'm going to take Fresno here. It's kind of a shot in the dark. Fresno State went won 10 games last year. Their yeah. over-under is eight and a half. Uh, Purdue's got a new head coach and everything. I'll go with Fresno State here as well. So, Bo and I, uh, we disagreed on a lot of games in the beginning, and then we rallied in the back half and, yeah. and uh, agreed on a lot there towards the end. So, there yeah. is our uh, pigskin pick em for this week. Bo, uh, looking at week one action here, um, what what intrigues you about this opening week of uh, of college football ahead? Well, we just don't know who a lot of teams are yet. And we really aren't going to know how good certain teams are for another month. Um, I'm interested. There's there's three or four teams that I'm looking at this, and I'm going, okay, how good are they? Uh, LSU was one of those teams where it's like, okay, are they really worthy of the top five? I don't know. Um, I'm keeping an eye on Washington. That's one of those teams. You know, there's always the one team in the teens in preseason that somehow gets into the college football playoff. With my decisiveness on USC and that bad defense, could that be Washington? It could. Um, you know, I'm interested to see how some of these other teams um, line up. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, another game here locally, I'm interested to see how Kansas does. You know, they're, they're really the first two games for Kansas, see how that works out. Um, then look at the whole slate, though. There's nothing where I go – that's the must-see game of the week. I think. I mean, I think LSU and Florida State's the probably the best game of the weekend. Uh, I mean, being as you got two, you know, two top fifteen teams playing. Um, I also want to see what happens with Ole Miss and Tulane. If Ole Miss is actually pretty good, that would be a good game. That plays against at Tulane, and I want to see what happens. They lose the. Uh, they lost Najee Spears, their running back, who was conference player of the year last year. He's now with the Tennessee Titans. I uh, want to see what happens there, see what that team is. They're, they were good. I expect them to be good again. Like their over other numbers this year was like nine and a half after winning that conference last year. I think the biggest thing I would try to look at on week one is who plays competitively of the teams that are underdogs and yep. the teams that are on the road. And then of your top, top 10, top 20 teams, you know, Georgia and Ohio State, um, you know, who is going to who is going to just blow somebody out? I mean, who's going to get it done? You know, as I'm looking this week, let's see here. Uh, for this week, you got Michigan against East Carolina, you know, Tennessee and uh, Virginia. A couple of those games where you look at it and go, okay, let's see how good, you know, teams like Texas and Oregon should win games handily if they don't that tells me they're not sure who they are either you know you mentioned lsu uh lsu and florida state that game a big prove it game for both teams yeah as far as you know being playoff contenders and all that the game tonight 
Utah and Florida. I'm looking at Utah's situation, Bo, and if if Cam Rising were healthy, I think Utah would be just maybe just as popular of a pick to win the Pac-12 as USC. Oh, I think they are. Yeah, I agree. If Cam Rising was healthy, if he had not gotten hurt, Torres ACL in the Rose Bowl. Um, You look at what what Utah has. Florida tonight, Baylor next week, Weber State, uh, and then UCLA and Oregon State. That's a, other than Weber State, that's Mm -hmm. a brutal start to the season, those first five games. And then after that, you get Cal and USC and Oregon. And and after that, I'm looking at Utah and – this team, Bo, it's just about survival for them to get out of this first, let's call it month, mm-hmm. potentially without Cam Rising. He is, you know, eight months removed from ACL surgery, so we'll see. It could be longer than that. But, you know, while we worry about style points and pressing the committee and all that, I think in Utah's case, they, they just need to find a way to survive in advance and, and, and get Ws any way they can over this next month not come stumbling out of the gates like they did last year when they lost to Florida and Gainesville. Just find a way to work through it, and then hopefully you come out, if you're Utah, 4-0 by the end of September, and hopefully Cam Rising's healthy by then. Yeah, now the two games you just mentioned, the Utah-Florida game and the LSU-Florida State game, they are games that if you win, it will look really good on your playoff resume. It's almost like, um, I mean, if you're, let's say you're Florida State, you beat LSU and you win the ACC. Maybe you don't win the ACC. Maybe, maybe Clemson wins the ACC, but, they win, but Florida State, you know, gets to the championship game. They lose that game in a close game. They can say, hey, we only lost this one. And only lost to Clemson, or only lost to or the individual champion, whoever it might be. But we got that win that nobody else has. It could be that big a bounce. You know, for Utah, if Utah wins, like you said, if they can win that game against Florida and they write the ship for a month, they get the QB back and they do what they did last season and start blowing people out the second half of the season, they could be sitting in a spot where they could have a legit shot at getting to the playoff, and that could be a really good resume game. You know, if Florida goes in and upsets somebody in the SEC, if Florida beats an LSU or if Florida beats a, a, an Alabama or something like that. Oh, yeah, I mean. It, those are big games, and it takes a lot of balls to schedule those games. And yeah, not, not just Florida, like but Baylor too. Baylor's not a bad team. Yeah, and they're playing and so, in back-to-back weeks and potentially without their starter. I mean, yeah. So, so yeah, I, mean, I think it takes guts to do this, and I think it'll be interesting, you know. And I think that like those are those two games where it's like, okay, these boys came to play. I think North Carolina, South Carolina is one of those games. Yeah, that could be a resume builder or a resume destroyer. Right, you know those two teams, North Carolina and South Carolina, probably aren't playing to get into a playoff, right? But to get into maybe a New Year's Day Bowl, yeah, that's that's a game you need to win. And if you can win that, it's going to give you a big boost. So there are a couple of the bigger games that I do 
that I am looking at. And those are probably the three, those first three we picked. Let me ask you one more college question, then move on to talk NFL. We yeah. mentioned Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, his FBS coaching debut this week against TCU. It's on Big Noon kickoff, and they're on Big Noon again next week as well for that game against Nebraska. And, Bo, what, what I'm curious of with, with Dion and all the Dion hype, right, and, and the excitement, the energy that there is around Dion, and, and it's easy to root for. I think you, you and I both are, are big Dion Sanders fans. I'm but for, I wonder if – if they get blown out this week and next week too, if they if they don't play well, is the honeymoon phase going to be over? Is that going to affect the excitement about the energy of this program and wanting to play for Coach Prime and all that? Like, can he – and granted, like we said, it's not going to be easy because you have so many new players and everything here. Is there anything that can happen these next two weeks that they could – set themselves back and lose momentum here? Because this is – he's taking over a one-win football team. I, I think we need to kind of simmer down the expectations, right? Well, I do think you have to simmer down the expectations. I think you have to look at that and go, wait a minute. This is a one – now, it's a one-win team from last year, and they've turned over almost the entire roster. Right. But they also turned over that roster twice, effectively. Yeah. They basically turned it over – then went to spring camp, played the spring game, and half those guys were gone. Right. Brought in so, a bunch of JUCO guys. Yeah. So he's he, what uh, Dion's done is he's just said, hey, I'm going to go get the best athletes I can get to get myself competitive. You know, they're not going to contend for a conference title, even a division title. They're playing to stay in the games, to be competitive in those games. And, again, you don't know what you got these first couple of weeks playing against them. So they're going to be hard to beat by 20 or 30 in a game, even a good team. So, to me, I think that's where I'm jumping on this and going, hey, I'll take I'll take Dion here and see what happens. Um, they're going to be an interesting study. I mean, everyone's looking at what he's done and what he's going to continue to do. Because I don't think this is a one-year deal. I don't think he's just going to turn over this roster just once. I think he's going to be cutting kids left and right. I think if he's going to see somebody who doesn't play do the things he wants them to do, then he's going to let them go. He'll get somebody else to replace him the next offseason. They're going to have a, a, a high frequency of turnover, maybe more so than anybody ever. They already have this season, but they'll do something similar next year. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Let's uh, let's talk NFL now, Bo. Uh, moving on to that side of things. Uh, first off, Jonathan Taylor going to the pup list. He claims he's not even hurt. Yeah. Um, and they fielded some trade calls. Sounded like the Dolphins <laughs> were interested, but the Colts wanted Jalen Waddell. That was a non-starter. The Packers were interested. Some other teams out there. He goes to pop. He's out the first four games. He won't be traded during that stretch either. Uh, what what the hell is going on here? Like I, I feel for Jonathan Taylor. What what did he do to deserve this? I feel for Jonathan Taylor, and I'll tell you who else I feel for is Anthony Richardson. Um, I think that Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Colts, 
Jim Irsay, the ownership of the Colts are the worst. They're the worst run franchise in the league. We've already talked about that last week. I mean, they make the Arizona Cardinals look like the like like the Kansas City Chiefs. I yeah. mean, this is so poorly run. When the Colts drafted Anthony Richardson, I just went, oh shit. Because I thought this kid in the right situation is going to be great. Unfortunately, he has to go to this pack of bozos. And I mean, it look, you, they've got Taylor under contract. They're going to play. Well, they're not going to play. But why you put him on the puppets? He's not hurt. He's telling everybody he's not hurt. So you're already breaking a rule. Then why would you not play the best running back in the game when you have a rookie starting quarterback? The, what is the one thing you think of when you one thing you do when you have a rookie or an inexperienced quarterback? You say, let's run the football, let's control the clock and the line of scrimmage so that our quarterback can get used to the speed of the game and we don't have to rely on his athletic ability. And the Indianapolis Colts decided, no, no, we don't want to do that. We're not going to worry about trying to run the football. You got the best running back in the league. And you've got a quarterback who might be the second come. Help him. This is so poorly done. I would have given him an extension if for no other reason than know that, hey, the guy can play, and it's going to help my young quarterback. Right. What do you think the Kansas City Chiefs would have done? Extended him. If this was second-year power, first-year Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes had to start his first year instead of sitting behind Alex Smith for a year, if he was sitting there and he had to play, they'd have done everything they could to put players around him so they can control the line of scrimmage and run the football. Right. It's asinine. It's ridiculous. Jim Irsay should be made to sell the team. It's such a bad deal. And I, I, Chris Ballard can't even say, complete the sentence of the bullshit line of, oh, no, it's not going to hurt Anthony Richardson. He knew halfway in spitting it out that he was wrong. Right. And unbelievable. He, he should be fired. The Colts. The, all the. This is the same franchise that ruined Andrew Luck, right? And he was vocal about it recently. And we know we talked about it. Andrew Luck was vocal about the Colts of the team that killed his love for football, that killed his his body and everything else. They're going to do the same thing to Anthony Richardson because of this whole Jonathan Taylor thing. Um, and, and if nothing else, you're not competitive anyway, right? What do you do? Run the football. You mentioned the Cardinals uh, when you talk about poor run organizations. Uh, they made it no secret that the tank is on with the decision yeah. they made this past week, letting Isaiah Simmons go and releasing Colt McCoy, uh, who's one of the better backups in the league, actually, and some of the decisions they made there. Uh, I mean, just it's obvious, right? Like they're, they're doing everything they can to get Caleb Williams next year. Yeah, yeah, and they've already. Kyler Murray's out. How many weeks now? Start the season. At least the first four. He's on pop. He's on pop. So, yeah, and they gave that money to him. So they're gonna have to find someone to take contract. 
They're not going to get that done. <laughs> I want to see how the Cardinals are going to mess this one up. But it, they're going to. I, I hope the Cardinals are in the spot to get the first pick in the draft, and I hope they win week 17 to get the second pick instead. Well, they're going to have two uh, high picks uh, yeah. with the trade they made last year. So, and Which it, the other pick they got, which will remind me? Who is their other pick? It's another bad team. Um, look, they're projected to have two top five picks potentially. Okay, I mean it would have to be yeah. okay. But you look at it and you just go, look, I mean, there. This is going to be a tank season for a couple of these teams. Yeah, and look, Caleb Williams. If I could get him, I'd get him too. Yeah, I I, I totally understand. Uh, a couple notable holdouts right now: Nick Bosa. And uh, Chris Jones, we hear from the management of both teams say, oh, we want to pay them. We want to keep these guys. But they begin the season on the non-football list, the reserve list. They don't count towards the 53-man roster right now. Either one of these two guys, uh, Kyle Shanahan said as recently as yesterday that he expects a lucrative contract for Nick Bosa to get his uh, and you know, the, we've heard the Chiefs say they plan to pay Chris Jones. They want to keep him around. What are the chances either one of these guys doesn't play Week One next week? I well, I think both was close. I think what I read today earlier was that the 49ers want to get something done with Bosa, um, and they seem to be motivated to do it now. Um, I do think that's going to happen. I, maybe not Week One, but I think that's more likely to happen. Um, the Chiefs out here are trying to shop Chris Jones. I I think they need him more than they think. Yeah. And I just think he's the linchpin of that de- de- defense. But he's so important. And he needs to be that guy because they need an elite pass rusher. And the reason is because of how good their offense is, you're in a lot of shootouts. You need someone who makes a play. And really, it's not like it's it's two or three times a game that they either make the big sack or the tackle for loss or that you use them as the decoy or they take on the double team to get somebody else loose to make a third down stop. Whatever it might be in a situation, that's what people really don't understand about those positions, about both players, really. The reason, well, I think Bosa is just as good and just as valuable as a player. The reason I don't think he's as, as important to the 49ers is, again, how they play. They want to run the ball a little more. They're going to play a little more. Their, their offense isn't as explosive. They're not, going to, they're not going to score as many points. It's more chewing up the clock and shortening some games. So, in essence, that defense doesn't have to be on the field as much. So, you don't need that quick twitch as often. Now, you still need a pass rusher. I think pass rushers, one of those four positions you need to have to be successful. It's quarterback, left tackle, a corner, and a pass rusher. You got to have all four. Chiefs need it. Now, I think the 49ers need it too, but differently than the Chiefs. Yeah. The, and I don't think the 49ers, with or without Nick Bosa, are a Super Bowl contender. That's just my belief. It's my yeah. belief because of the, the, the coach and the quarterback right now. Yeah. I, I think we'll see as the season goes on. I'll either be right or I'll be wrong. But 
Uh, I think the rest of that division is, is catching up to them, specifically Seattle and, um, well, Seattle. I'm hoping the Rams are going to catch them. Uh, but, yeah, I just look at it that way. I think the likelihood on either of them, and no one knows, no one can tell. Why the Chiefs haven't gotten this thing done with Jones, I don't understand. that. I really don't get it. They've been decisive. With these situations, I look back to the Tyreek Hill situation a couple of years ago where it was, we got to pay one, Hill or Kelsey. They chose Kelsey. You know, then you gave him the money during the season. Then Tyreek comes back around, pay me or not pay me, and they moved on. Yeah. What, what and they've been decisive me, in those situations, and I respect that. What right surprises me is, how it's they haven't come to a decision one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like I thought he was either going to be paid or traded by now. One of yes, these, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think that that's what's surprising with me. The Chiefs, not the result, right? Not whether he's been traded or released or or extended, it's not which it is. It's the whole pattern that it hasn't been done yet. Right. That's not the Chiefs' way. So that's got me a little bit. Questioning things. Yes. Yes. Um, Trey Lance traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Fourth round pick after all the picks they gave up. Um, John Lynch afterwards said, you know, that they admit they made a mistake. They messed up. Um, what What do you think about everything that went down? Like, I, I'm, I'm not surprised they got traded. I am surprised he's a Dallas Cowboy. And then from the Cowboys' point of view, the fact that Jerry Jones did not run this by McCarthy or or Dak or anybody, no one knew what was going on. I mean, what a bizarre thing that unfolded Friday night. Well, okay, so and I, I didn't know that he didn't run it by the coaching staff or anything, but that just means he doesn't care about his coach, which we've known for a while. Yeah, yeah. We knew that. Um, look, I, Trey Lance is a good backup for, for Dak Prescott. There's similar talents. Yeah. Guys who can play the run first offense, you know, they've got some arm talent. Neither of them are elite quarterbacks, but, you know, we think Dak is good enough. Um, that's what Trey Lance could be, I think. Uh, I saw a great meme this week. It said that the 49ers gave Alex Smith five years, a chance for five years, and they gave Trey Lance four four games. You know, so it's like, okay, that's fun. Yeah. Five five years for one guy, four games for the other. Yeah. Um, I think as far as going back to the 49ers on this, I think John Lynch should be fired for this. Um, I said this. I think this is the worst. I don't know how to put this. I think this is the worst move I've ever seen a general manager make to trade that much to get a player and then to effectively give up on player. And that isn't. And what I mean by that is he's effectively said, we've seen enough in four games. There is no way you can judge this kid in four NFL games. And I think that John Lynch, I think this is, and he can own it all he wants. He'd own it from the unemployment line. If I was the, if I was the owner of the 49ers, you can't not give up three first round picks, make that pick. And first off, be wrong. And and then maybe not be wrong, but let him go for a fourth-round pick. Right. That's the thing. 
If he's wrong, okay. I don't like it. You're still fired. But to be this wrong and then the it's the ultimate buying a stock high and selling it low. Yeah. This is horrible. And to me, that's a fireable offense. This whole thing is. Yeah. Last thing, then we'll wrap up on this. Bo, uh, from one GM making bad mistakes to another that's been phenomenal. Joe Shane, the Giants GM, has been incredible with what he and Brian Dable have done with that organization. And and Bo, I, I look at the Giants. I, I think they're the winners of the offseason, personally. Uh, you know, they got a, a team-friendly deal with Daniel Jones. You, you work things out for now with Saquon Barkley. Uh, you pulled off the Darren Waller trade. Now you bring in Isaiah Simmons. I mean, you got those guys for pennies on the dollar, essentially. Mm-hmm. And look out. I mean, you know, they even drafted well, too. Deontay Banks, John Michael Schmitz, Jalen Hyatt. I mean, the Giants, uh, I, I really love what that organization is is putting together. Not only I, I think they're going to be a good team this year, but they got some good building blocks for years to come. I think I agree. I think this is a good team that has got – and they got a, good, a a friendly quarterback thing with Daniel Jones. They seem to like him. Uh, they made things right temporarily with Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, and then bringing in these pieces, getting Isaiah Simmons for pennies on the dollar. I mean, it's huge. They realize who they're in a division with. They're in a division with the team that I think is the best team in the NFL. I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. I also think the Eagles have the best general manager in all of American sports. And Howie Rosen. And Howie Rosen. I think Howie Rosen is incredible. Uh, he's a case study. If he's a case study, what the Giants are doing is borrowing from the same formula in many ways. There's a lot of similarities in how to construct a full roster. They don't have as young a quarterback, and he's not as highly talented. Touted. But, you know, I mean, he was, I mean, Daniel Jones was a top 10 pick. I mean, it was, I mean, they, people did not think he was going to be the guy. Right. They kind of proved that, proved that wrong. And the Giants are going to be competitive. The NFC overall is weak. If you look, I mean, give me five teams better that are, that are better than the Giants right now in the NFC. Right. I don't right. Think you know, I can think of three, maybe. They're a team I think is on the rise, and while I don't think they'll win their division, they're a high play. They're a high enough. They'll be a high wild card team, and if the ball, if things bounce the right way, they can make a run in the playoffs. That team in the NFC, yeah. where you're having to play the Jets and the 49ers and the Bengals and the and the and the Bills. Yeah, I mean, so I don't dislike what they're doing at all, and I think you're onto something there. With the Giants. Yeah. There you have it. He's Coach Bo. Uh, check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Counter Advice Group, OAGCast.com, Group.com. Bo, what's on the podcast next few days? We got a whole bunch of stuff coming. Uh, so we'll be doing uh, three episodes in the next like week uh, between uh, this week and, and early next. We'll be doing um, our normal, me and Ellen, on it'll be out either Saturday afternoon or Sunday. Uh, just kind of go over what's going on. We'll talk college football. We'll talk a little bit of the NFL, kind of a little bit of everything in there, a little mix of a uh, little smorgasbord, if you will, everything. 
Um, I got my man Jerry coming in. He's going to be talking. This is the first time he and I have done this, but we're going to be doing one episode this week on all things wrestling. So we haven't done this in a little while, and we're going to get this in. Jerry's going to come in. We're going to talk a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes and in front of the camera uh, and in the ring. There'll be some fun stuff there. And then Uncle Rico is back next week. Uncle Rico's in. We'll be doing a football NFL preview, which will probably be out the day after Labor Day. Uh, we're going to record on Labor Day. We'll have it out the next day. And then starting the week after, we'll have a wrap-up. It'll be on either Monday's nights or Tuesday mornings. You'll be able to get Uncle Rico and I's takes on all things NFL from the weekend before. Looking forward to it. Coach Ball, appreciate the time. Have a good Labor Day weekend. Enjoy some college football. We'll talk to you again soon. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Take care, buddy. The summer of Jones is nearing an end. With the football season upon us, that means it is time for our last draft season of 2023. So long, sir, farewell. It's a sad moment, but at the same time, too, it's uh, a sign that we're back in football season with this last draft here. It's been a good run. Our final draft, we're going out with a bang. To the suggestion of Thomas Bridges last week, if you're listening, we are going to pick our deserted island movies draft where we all get to keep six movies to bring with us to a deserted island uh Bo, before we get started uh what a run it's been uh with some of these drafts that uh, we've had over the summer here yeah the most amazing part is that you know it's like a win streak like you are like tom and i are like the globe trotters oh stop and, and uh, you are so <laughs> you are so bad. You never We're just signing this. No, 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 no. I'm Howie Roseman, and you are John Lynch. No you way, Trey Lance. No way would I choose waste a pick on someone like Trey Lance. Uh, waste we draft Trey Lance pick. every week. No, I, 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 I know what I do. I will never cut one of my picks. <laughs> I would never trade three first rounders. For one, and then and then cut that person or sell that person for a fourth round pick. That's a, that's a Tyler Jones move. That is a Putin. Not um, a um, was the draft pick you made the bad Stalin. one. Stalin, come on now, Stalin. Yes, Stalin. Stalin. <laughs> the Stalin pick. My guy, yeah, Joe. My guy, Joe Stalin. Uh, the guy, Tom, Joe Stalin. Tom, what's been your favorite draft we've done this summer? Oh man. I don't know. The villains is pretty good. The villains, the villains draft was pretty solid. Yeah, that was a good that one. That or um, the coaches probably. I think uh, the coaches one outside of Tyler taking me was a uh, was a good one. <laughs> but I gave you the win that week. I think. <laughs> uh, I love celebrity crushes. Uh, and uh, the cancel culture draft was great too. <laughs> that uh, was the funnest one, I think. Now that I can think about it, yeah, yeah, those, was fun in that one. Those were some good ones. If you missed out any of our drafts, uh, you can go back and uh, check them out. The dinner party one was also fantastic too. Oh, that was a good one, yeah. So, without further ado, the uh, draft order we spun the random will of names. And uh, Bo has the first pick. I have the second pick. Tom has the third pick. I'll have the back-to-back. And so 
Without further ado, Bo, you are on the clock. The first pick, our final draft of 2023 as uh, we pick movies that you would take on a deserted island. Well, my all-time favorite movie. It has been my favorite movie since the very first time I saw it. I love the movie. I watch it all the time. It's Pulp Fiction. And so I'm mm. taking Pulp Fiction with the first pick. I just had a Royale with cheese, actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Pulp Fiction, up for number one. Uh, I'm also going to take my favorite movie of all time. Um, this movie comes on TV quite a bit, and it doesn't matter at any point in the movie, I will jump in and watch, and uh, it sucks me in every time. I laugh, I cry. Uh, it is a complete movie. Great. It's a sports movie. It's a history movie, everything. Forrest Gump is uh, the movie I'm you watching. son of a bitch. On uh, the deserted island, gotta go with Forrest Gump here. Not- that was gonna be one of mine. That was actually gonna be my first pick. All right, um, great movie. Yeah, that's a solid one. That's what I, you know, that's what I get for choosing third. But um, I will take one of my. I'll take actually two of my favorite movies. Um, of all time, and and the first one, these are no specific order. One and two, one and two. Actually, none of these are all my favorite movies. Um, Forrest Gump would have been one of mine. It's a classic. It's long. Um, you can waste a lot of time watching it. I used to actually when it was on Netflix. It used to be my go to sleep movie was Forrest Gump. Um, one of the best of all time. But I will take with the first one. Like I said, no specific order. I'll take Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Um, I think we actually talked about it last week. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. And I will take oh man, I had I had Forrest Gump. I, I could have swore I was like, okay, Tyler's not gonna take it. I knew Bo wasn't gonna take it off the top. Pulp fiction is a great one. God, that's a great one. Um looking here i'm going through my favorite movie list to see which one i want to see because there's some that i would take immediately but there's a few of them that i know that you guys wouldn't also take so i'm trying to be strategic right okay um honestly i'll probably have to go remember the titans Ooh. okay You know, I it's been a while since I've watched Re- Remember the Titans. I, I need to go back and watch Remember the Titans. Oh, it's one of the best movies ever. That's my favorite football movie. Yeah, it's a great choice. It's just been been a minute since I've seen it. Um, my uh, my next choice. Uh, this one, I, it's another rewatchable movie that I have seen uh, a thousand times, and I cannot get enough of. And uh, I got to go with uh, with Step Brothers with uh, this selection. Oh, it's, I think it's, it's the de facto sequel to Talladega Nights, basically, and is so good. Will Ferrell's best movie. I got to go Step Brothers here. Bo, you're back on the clock. All right. So first of all, that's not Will Ferrell's best movie. But um, <laughs> I mean, I know they're bad. And I wouldn't have taken Forrest Gump because Forrest Gump was with Alabama. So <laughs> it would not have been welcome in our LSU home. Um, 
<laughs> I'm taking the two. I get the back to back here, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So you're not taking the blind side then either. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I don't like the movie. I'm taking the two funniest movies ever made: Blazing Saddles and Ooh. Caddyshack. Caddyshack's a great one. Blazing Caddyshack is good. Very good choice. Um. All right. So Blazing Saddles and Caddyshack. I would argue that Caddyshack's not even the best golf movie of all time. Um, no, but it's the funniest. Uh, my next pick is the best golf movie of all time, and it's funny. Oh. I'm going Happy Gilmore. <laughs> uh, that's that's a solid one too. It's a good movie. Caddyshack's better than Happy Gilmore. I'll I love Happy Gilmore. Um, it's iconic. I was thinking about this the other day, Tom. Why the hell was Shooter McGavin in the meeting when uh, when Happy was getting suspended? Like, what was he even doing there? I just wanted to be intimidating. <laughs> I just wanted to talk that shit, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, Tom, back to back, back to back, baby. All right. So I thought I thought you would take one of these just to spite me. Um, this is one of my, these are two of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it's going to be Rush Hour 2, Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan. Rush Hour is underrated. I don't one of the few sequels that's better than its predecessor. Oh, 100%. It's the best one out of the series. Rush Hour 2 is one of the best movies of ever. Um, and it got away with so much, I, I call it the Dave Chappelle effect. It yes. got away with so much shit that it would never, like, it's still loved today, but if it came out today, they would crucify everybody. I mean, it would, I mean, it would be, they, Chris Tucker, they would, he would be canceled. Jackie Chan would have been canceled. Uh, the director would have been canceled. Um, and I'll tell you this next movie, they've tried to cancel him a million times um, because of the content. Of this movie, and they can't because he's a Jew. Um, it's Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat. The just the plot of the movie, him going up to people that don't know it's a movie and getting real reactions and and holding character. Uh, Borat for sure, probably one of my favorite, mo- probably maybe my favorite movie ever. Okay. Uh, solid choices there. Uh, I don't think there's been a bad pick in this draft so far at this point. Very no, strong. no. I would watch all these movies on repeat. Strong start to everybody. Um, this next pick, this might be the the turning point. Might this Bo might consider this my downfall here, but you know, if we're being real ourselves, I cannot not have this as one of my movies. And in my childhood, it was my favorite movie growing up. I still love to watch it every now and then. I think it's one of the funniest movies ever made. Didn't cost a whole lot to make. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite is uh, the next pick for me uh, off the board. I like Napoleon Dynamite. I actually like all the movies you guys have talked about so far. Okay. Okay. Uh, Again, the only reason I would not have chosen Forrest Gump was a great movie. I'm 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 anti-Alabama. I couldn't take him. Tom, are you a Napoleon Dynamite fan? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think Napoleon Dynamite 
over the years because it's been what it's pro that movie probably came out in oh six oh seven. Um, that movie four roses. Oh my god, we're getting old. That movie does not get its roses like it should. Yeah, it really doesn't. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a incredibly funny movie. I mean, Step Brothers gets its roses, but Napoleon Dynamite should get the same roses. Yeah, and it it just doesn't. All right, Bo. All right. All right, so I got my comedies. I got my favorite movie. So now I gotta have I gotta have some action. You know, you gotta have an action movie or two. So I'm gonna take the movie that I think is the best of any of the comic book movies of all time, and that's The Dark Knight. It's a solid one. I had that on my list. I remember when I walked out of watching that movie, I thought it was the best movie I'd ever seen. And so that again, the action of it. Now the best like pure action movie. I've ever seen. My favorite is Heat with De Niro and Pacino. <laughs> and so I'm taking that as well. I gotta have two action movies to go by two comedies. You said Heat? Yep. Okay. Have you ever seen that one, Jones? It's solid. I don't think one I've actually I don't think it's I've actually really good. It's it's yeah. Pacino's the cop, De Niro's the bad guy, and they're chasing each other. Okay, it's it's really good. It's it's pretty. It's the same director that made Scarface too. Okay, so it's that same shot, the same way. It's it's long. It's like three hours long, and it's a great story. And it was the first time those two acted together in a movie, and so it was a big deal when it came out. It's got it has the best action sequence of all time. Um, the next movie I have here, um. This one, I need an action movie too. It's not just one of the best movies of all time. It's the best Christmas movie of all time too. I'm going Die Hard. I love Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> Die Hard, I watch every year. And I've, I've even seen it in the theaters. And it's just phenomenal. That movie has aged tremendously, Bo. It's aged a lot better than Bruce Willis has. <laughs> oh, ah. that poor man's got a disease now. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna Tyler. Oh, you're it's gonna I'm gonna say something here about your pick, though, Tyler. Okay, great pick. It was up for consideration on my last two. Die Hard is the absolute best Christmas movie of all time. Yes, I watch it every year for Christmas. Uh, Christmas does not end till Hans Gruber falls out of Nakatomi Plaza. Correct. Yeah. Didn't you pick Hans Gruber as your villain? Well, I'm yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, Tom, your uh, final two picks? All right. So, so I debated back and forth. Um, when I was... Um, when I was a little bit even in better shape, even even now, some people say this. And I, I see it sometimes, and I don't see it other times. But uh, one of the best actors of all time in my book, uh, you know, I already have a Denzel movie. And I think he's one of the best actors. And I didn't pick a Will Smith movie, and I still won't. But when we get to the free agents, I Am Legend's going to be one of them if nobody else takes it. Um, Pursuit of Happiness, also another great one that yeah. no one probably will take. But 
I debated between two Adam Sandler movies. Um, you already have one, Jones. Um, and I debated between Fifty First Dates and Big Daddy. And I'm gonna have to go Big Daddy. That was the first ever PG thirteen movie I saw. Big Daddy was? Yes. Did you get the Trey Lance video that I sent? Um I don't remember if I did or not. Where the where the kid's like, I don't wanna go. And he's oh, like, yeah. No. <laughs> and then they pan it and it's Jerry Jones. He's like, You'll be all right. All right. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Big Daddy. Big uh, Daddy. Great, great, great parents. Oh, my mom and dad, they took me to the drive in to see the movie when I was about like two or three years old. Oh, Big Daddy. Oh my God, you're showing your age too. Um, Big Daddy. Big Daddy's one of my favorite movies. Another one of my favorite movies, and this one goes, this is just a, a personal favorite. And I think it's, and there's multiple movies that you could pick from this actor. And it's probably my favorite actor, actually. Um, of all time, Matthew McConaughey. There's so many good ones that you could pick with Matthew McConaughey, but in terms of how much weight he lost for this role and and just this role in general, and if you haven't seen, I think Bo probably has. I don't know, Jones, if you have one of my favorite movies ever, um, Dallas Buyers Club. Mm. That's probably my favorite Matthew McConaughey movie, and Interstellar's up there too, but. Dallas Buyers Club's got to be one of my favorite movies of all time. Great movie. McConaughey's great in that movie. That is literally the only movie I've ever liked Jared Leto in. Ah. I oh, have I mean, not liked yeah. him in any other movie. That one, Jared Leto's incredible. Yeah, he wasn't a weirdo then. Yeah, well, and, and his characters, I mean, his character's trans in the movie, and he he lost a ton of weight to play that character, too. Oh, I mean, that was it. Jones, if you haven't seen them, it's a great, great movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, especially just about the AIDS pandemic and, and just the, uh, just the plot of the whole movie. You know, you, you get a guy that's just like super like, bitch, I ain't gay. Ends up Magic Johnson and himself, you know, and the whole plot of the movie, he just, literally becomes an entrepreneur and helps a lot of people. And I don't know if it's based on a true story or not. It is. is it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a hell of a movie. Um, For my final pick, uh, going off the board here, I loved this movie when I saw it. I've only seen it one time, but it was a pretty recent movie. So my idea is, with this, guys is that the other ones I've seen a lot. This one is, I'm on a deserted island, right? I need, these are all I got at this point. I need at oh. least a newer movie to get me through, you know, that maybe I'll watch more than the others because I've seen the others a lot. Incredible action movie, great acting, had everything you could want. Almost a perfect film. I'm going Top Gun Maverick with my last pick. Um, New one. Yes, Top Gun Maverick. I thought it was better than the first one. I love the first one, too. Um, but I'll go uh, Top Gun Maverick with uh, everybody's favorite Scientologist, uh, Tom Cruise, as uh, my last pick. Bo, uh, your final pick. Okay. Um, 
these all been good picks, guys. Um, Top Gun Maverick's a really good movie. That was the best movie I saw that year, last year. Um, okay, so I've got the two comedies. I've got two action movies. I got my favorite movie, which is the best story in all of the Pulp Fiction. But my favorite types of movies to watch, I love mob movies, mafia movies, mob movies, and there's a ton of good ones. So I was waiting till the end because I thought for sure one of you guys would take something and it would help me make a decision. So I'm going to go with what I think is the best mob movie of all time, and that's the second Godfather movie, Godfather 2. One of those rare movies where the sequel is better than the first. Okay. So, I like it. Uh, there you go. That is our draft. Uh, to recap, Team Bo is Pulp Fiction, Blazing Saddles, Caddyshack, The Dark Knight, Heat, and The Godfather 2. Team Jones, Forrest Gump, Step Brothers, Happy Gilmore, Napoleon Dynamite, Die Hard, and Top Gun Maverick. Tom's team, Silence of the Lambs, Remember the Titans, Rush Hour 2, Borat, Big Daddy, and Dallas Buyers Club. Bo, uh, not a bad pick this draft. I didn't think any pick was bad except for Forrest Gump. No, I, look, Forrest Gump <laughs> is right, one of my favorite movies, too. I just, it's one of my favorite movies. I just don't like it with Alabama. The, you know, we missed on the villains last week was Jenny from Forrest Gump. Oh, she's, she's, she's bad. A villain. Yeah, she's a villain, whether you believe it or not. Um, bad more ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like oh, her better miss. now as she's older, too. Um, there is the old man in me. I think what this is represents, if you look at these lists, this can, this really shows the difference in age between us and how oh, I'm yeah. much older than you guys. Um, because I got a couple of the older movies on there. And I will say, you guys, like, like the Will Ferrell movie, like you picked uh, Step Brothers to put a couple of the Will Ferrell. My favorite Will Ferrell movie is still Anchorman. Yeah, and Anchorman. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen, one of the best comedies I've ever seen. And then on the Adam Sandler movies, I like Billy Madison best of all of them. I mean, I think the yeah. Water Boy is better than Happy Gilmore. And oh, Water Boy would have been a good one, but Water Boy's great. So I, those were like other ones, uh, but I think that every pick was really solid. Um, you know, again, you just you can sign it. You see our. There's no loser here because it's our personalities and who we would take, what we would take with us. I think you might have said it best, Jones. These are the movies you kind of like you you watch to let the time go by. You you even if you come into the movie midway, you're gonna finish it out. And there's another half a dozen I've got written down here that I mean I, I mean no one took cast away. Perfect deserted island movie. But see, that would be like I would I disagree in a way. Because if you're watching that and you're on a deserted island. Like that would be even more depressing because you see how depressing yeah, that is. Like, like if we were doing TV shows, would you want to draft Lost for a dessert? Absolutely not. Yeah, I hated Lost actually. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit I have never watched Lost. No. <laughs> uh, it, it but, was... you know, Bo, you mentioned the. Uh, you mentioned kind of the gangster mob movies. Have you ever seen the Al Pacino? Movie Insomnia, I have great movie. I'll I'll tell you the most underrated of all of the um, mafia or 
mob movies or gangster movies to me was another of Pacino's movies called Carlito's Way. Oh, yeah. And uh, I yeah. think he, he, that's an incredible. That's the one that, like, everyone loves Godfather, Godfather 2, even Goodfellas, which is, those are like my three favorites. But I think Carlito's Way is like that really, really underrated one that once you watch it, you go, wow, that was really entertaining. Oh, another one? Um, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, that was what I was going to bring up too. It's it's the only pick you guys made that was on my list was Tyler taking Die Hard. Literally the only one that was on my list that I made jot it down real quick. So, uh, what's I your think... what's your favorite Matthew McConaughey film? I had to think about that for a minute. It, I think he he's never been better than he was in Dallas Buyers Club. I mean, that Have was you seen Mud. Mud? Oh, yeah. No, I've never seen that. I think my favorite McConaughey movie is probably Failure to Launch. Yeah. You're just trolling. I'll tell you what. (laughs) I I love a good sports movie, but I'll tell you what. I'm a fucking sucker for a sentimental drama. Like, another one that I thought was off the list that would be maybe my seventh pick, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. I like Goodwill Hunting a lot. Yeah. So, so many of those I mean, movies look, that Robin Williams made in the, in the Williams. 90s are good. Yeah. I mean, you could even do, you know, it's another good one that I think would probably even be on my mom's list. Um, the Breakfast Club. Yeah. If you're my age, you love The Breakfast Club. Um, my, that spoke my to next, everybody when I was a kid. If we went to seven picks, I would have added Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm, yeah. See, I like The Breakfast Club better than Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but I like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Uh, you know what the rumor is on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? That um, Ferris is not real. Really? That Cameron is the real character and that Ferris is Cameron's alter ego. I can see that. Yeah. That's how he gets through his reality. Have you ever seen or have you ever read the short story Don Quixote? Yes. Like that. Yes. So if if we're on if I'm on a de- deserted island, um I, I would I would enjoy some visuals, maybe something like American Pie and uh Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you know. I mean there you go. Yeah, you can do like American Pie or Maybe Halle's Berry's Tits and Swordfish. You know how many times I paused that when that movie came out on video? Like in the day? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ding. All right, we got this one. Yep. The rest of the movie's trash. I mean, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I just had to look it up because you were talking about Matthew McConaughey movies. And I was looking for my, I think my favorite one's A Time to Kill. Oh, yeah. That's a solid one. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, if I had to look for and, and Matthew, because I'm one of my wife's favorite actors, I, I've seen a lot of his movies. A lot of them I didn't like. And then there's I mean, if I had some, if I had some pot or some, you know, maybe some shrooms or acid on the island, I probably would have picked maybe Days and Confuse. <laughs> He's funny as hell. I never really got into that one. I, it's, you know, they what, what fine, does he say? But... They, um, you know, what does it say? They look the same, and I keep getting older, or whatever he says. The thing he liked about high school girls was that um, I get older and they stay the same age. Yeah. 
<laughs> that became just a line for the culture. People say that yeah. they've seen that movie before. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and another not to jack off Matthew McConaughey here, but if you ever read his book Green Lights, he talks about that movie and how that was like his first big break and like his first that was like his first movie where he came out with the line all right, all right, all right. And that just defined his whole career. Yeah. I uh, mean, that was that's his line. I know I did a lot of NASCAR picks uh, throughout the year the year uh, on this draft. Uh, you guys probably think I was leaning towards Talladega Nights. That's not my favorite. I was waiting on it. <laughs> it's not my favorite racing movie of all time. I like Days of Thunder better. I love Days of Thunder. Fantastic film. Not Tom Cruise's best movie but it's it's up there yeah i like days of thunder as well have you ever seen ford versus ferrari oh yeah i just watched that for the first time earlier this summer and i'm hooked on it now i love that movie but it was great i'm um, glad no one picked one of the fast and furious movies i'd have had to disown you both i would have i would have choked I one of disowned you. all of you yes i despise every one of those movies i, now, I what despise about, the rock for saving those movies what about I despise the great Diesel movie. for then firing the rock I, uh, yeah, I hate those movies. Well, I believe uh, I get to declare myself the winner because I stole a pick from both of you. So you uh, did still Forrest Gump. But <laughs> Forrest Gump, I think Forrest Gump's a great movie. Um, but, you know, some, and, and I'd be interested to see what both of you have to say. A lot of these movies, it's not really necessarily like Remember the Titans. Still a great movie, but it kind of holds a place in time for me when I was younger, when I watched it, when I was playing football, Forrest Gump is the same. The first time I watched Forrest Gump was like in fifth grade at my best friend Blake's house. And we watched it at like 2 a.m. And he was like, you got to watch this movie. And this one, I was in like fifth grade. He's like, this is a great movie. You got to watch it. Right. Um, and so it holds a place in time. Another one that you said, like Bruce Willis film. And Bo, I think, I bet Bo, you've watched this movie. Tyler, I don't know if you have. Tears of the Sun. That's another great Bruce Willis yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. A lot of good movies there. Um, next year, we'll have to do TV shows. Um, I think that could be another good one, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. May, maybe next year we're all on a deserted island together. Maybe so. Uh, I'm not doing this podcast if I'm, uh, I'm on a deserted island. Just telling you guys. Bring your movies. Let's watch them. We got... We got Solid 18 movies we could watch. Yeah, we got, we got a good list here. That does it for the uh, draft this week. Bo, Tom, it's been a pleasure to do this all summer long, and we'll do it again next year, boys. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. Final segment before we go. It's the top full story of the week. Tom's Bridges standing by with uh, something ridiculous or absurd happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to this week? Jones, we're, we're going over the pond here today. And, um, you know, uh, Jones, I unless you have something to tell me, I don't believe that you have any tattoos. Uh, I myself don't have any. I do not. not. Maybe we should get one in the near coming future. Not opposed maybe. to tattoo. I just haven't found one that I've said, you know what? I have to have this on my body the rest of my life. Yeah, see, I'm the same way. That and I have commitment issues. I feel like, and um, actually, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to pay the. You know, I feel like if you get a a, a decent tattoo, it's going to cost you at least two hundred bucks. 
And I really don't want to pay that for something I'm not, you know, 100% on. But Jones, here's one that you could get that could pay for your transportation. And this comes from insider.com. And we're going across the pond. We're going to Austria. Like I said, again, this comes from insider.com. And it reads, Austria is offering free public transportation for a year. Only for a year, though. But you have to get a specific tattoo first. This is new. A couple of bullet points here from insider.com. Austria is offering a year of free public transportation to people willing to get a tattoo. The tattoo must include the... Include climb a ticket. That's K L I M A ticket. The name of Austria's eco friendly public transport pass. The country's climate minister promoted the campaign, which has received some backlash. And, you know, that's probably why we're talking about it. Austria is offering free public transportation for one year to people willing to get the name of its local travel pass climate ticket tattooed on their body. Austria first introduced the climate ticket in October, 2021 to promote public transportation as a climate friendly alternative to motorized individual transport. The organization for economic cooperation and development or OECD said road transport is the largest source of carbon emissions. That's a lie. And the country aims to reduce private car use by 16% by 2024. It's really these billionaires that fly these private jets. Can't hate, though, because if I was a billionaire and had a jet, I'd be flying too. A pop-up tattoo parlor shop has appeared at different events across the country this summer. Sporting a banner that reads, Action That Gets Under Your Skin. That's a hell of a tagline. I love it. Tickets official Instagram account touted as one such event in July post ahead of a local music festival. The post included an infographic showing different tattoo illustrations, including a rail car with a word climate ticket on the front and a mouth ingesting a pill that says "Climb." Some of those conspiracy theorists won't like that. In the comment section, some people laughed at the prospect of asking young residents to permanently alter their bodies for public transportation. Six people have so have so far participated. However, the outlet reported, "Okay, only six people. That's that seems like not shit. Huh. I, I mean, maybe the free transport or maybe the transportation is probably really not that much money. I don't know." Austria's climate minister, Leonor Gesweiler, supported the campaign by attending the Frequency Festival and supporting a fake tattoo. Well, that seems like a bitch move. Doesn't seem like he's supporting the campaign that much. Either get it on your skin for real, buddy, or don't do it at all. You bitch. And, uh, (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, let me get a fake tattoo. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about this here in a second, but... A backup to this. In a second video, the minister posted about the campaign. The comment section was mixed with both praise and alarm. Guess while I defended the campaign in the recent TV interview, uh, this has been carried out with great care. It is only done during the daylight and only offered to people only the age of 18. What's the daylight have to do f- with it? Like They're like, okay, well, as soon as the sun sets, you're probably drunk. You can't come in here and get this tattoo. Um you know, what if you're a homeless guy and you're like, well, I either got enough money for the bus or I got enough money for a tattoo. Um, the uh, 
Looks like the public transport guy. Guessweiler said, the people who get the tattoos mostly already have some. That seems legit. Um, I guess I've already had a shit ton of tattoos. What's another one? Let me save some money and do it, I guess. I don't know. Still, some prominent voices spoke out against the stunt, including Henrique Brandstatter, a lawmaker for the liberal NEOS party. Nobody knows who that is. Offering people money for putting advertising under their skin reveals an unacceptable view of humanity from a government minister, the translated Expos read. Representatives for the Guestweiler and Climate Ticket did not immediately respond to Insider's request for comment. Jones, a couple things I want to address here. Okay. They said offering people money for putting advertiser under their skin reveals an unacceptable view of humanity from the government minister. Okay, uh, here's the tagline here. Offering people money for putting advertising under their skin reveals an unacceptable view of humanity. All right, so you're not getting under your skin, but if you're getting paid a couple million a year to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder, one thing that's constantly on your chest when you're in public view is Love's Gas Station. If you play for the San Antonio Spurs, one thing that's going to be on your chest every time the public sees you in the in the arena is Frost Bank. If you play for the Lakers, one of the things that's going to be on the front of your chest, front and center, and maybe one of the most expensive expensive ad placements on your body is going to be wish um if you play for the milwaukee bucks one of the biggest things on your chest other than your team name is going to be harley davidson right right um what's the you know how is that that much different than a tattoo because if you get that same thing tattooed on your chest the same place that patch is and you wear a shirt all the time Unless you're a big swimmer, Michael Phelps style, how many people are really going to see that? What's the difference there? So I have a I have a problem with that. I do not too. that bad. Well, and and, and think about this. Um, everybody's seen that show, Bad Tattoo. Um, there's some pretty bad ones out there, obviously, and and they're not getting paid for it. Like, if you're going to have all these bad tattoos that are out there. I mean, I'd rather have an, an advertisement for Dunkin' Donuts as a tattoo than, you know, some some butt or something, you know, some uh you know, some tattoo of somebody's ass, you know, on my on my arm or something here. I mean, like there's uh there's a lot worse that you could do than these advertisements. Okay, so I'm I'm wondering here. There's one more thing we'll address real quick here with with this. So, and, and this is, you know, you play, I'm playing the little devil's advocate here. This guy, the, the climate minister, obviously, whether you, you know, whether you're like climate change pro or anti-climate change or whatever you do, we don't get too political here, but I will say I do, I do agree with there is some sort of climate change happening. Um, Either way, however you want to do it, doesn't matter. He's the climate minister of Austria. He's supporting the campaign, but he's only supporting the campaign. And this is the, like, again, to clarify, this is the campaign to get a tattoo for free public transportation only for a year. So you get the tattoo and it's essentially a free bus pass, but you got to get a tattoo for it. But it's only for a year. This guy says, hey, we support the campaign. 
I'm the climate minister. We want to lower fucking carbon emissions and all this other bullshit. And we're going to, you know, you know, you get this tattoo. We're going to let you on the bus for free for a year. I don't know how you, you know, I don't know how that's determined by year. You know, if I get it today, then does that mean that, you know, September 1st next year it expires? How do you regulate that? I don't know. But this guy's like, yeah, I support it. And, oh, well, how's he supporting it? Oh, well, he got a fake tattoo. Well, that's bullshit. Either step up and get the climate ticket tattoo tattooed on your fucking forehead or don't do it. Um, One of the two, don't get a fake tattoo. Tell you what, Jones, when I was about six years, five, six years old, there was a kid at my mom's daycare. His name was Nathan Arnold. Um, he came with, uh, one of those pencil boxes. If you're over the age of maybe 25, you know what a pencil box is. Um, came with a full pencil box full of like Spider-Man tattoos, had the villains, had the Spider-Man, had Mary Jane, had them all, you know, and it was those little bubblegum tied tattoos that you'd wet, uh, a, a washcloth with, and you rubbed over the top of it and you put it on your body. Well, I had the idea to be like, all right, well, Nathan's gone for the day. He left his Spider-Man tattoos. Well, I decided to put about 46 of those on my body um, in the bathroom one morning and um, walked out with them all over my face looking like a fucking Post Malone. And mom was not too happy about that. Um, I remember I got an ass whooping. So, oh, yeah, she was. I mean, I had them all over my friend. Um and when I say 46, that's not a joke. That's, I mean, that's an, that's a pretty solid over under. I mean, I had them all over. I probably even had on my cockaroo, honestly. Um, I would love to get those sometime. Maybe I need to wear it for a costume or something. The fake tattoo sleeves. Oh, the, you know, you just pull them up. Yeah. Yeah. Like that Ed Hardy shit. Yeah. Like, uh, like, Baby Gronk. <laughs> right. No, yeah. This was this was the full on wet washcloth rubbing, you know, rubbing it over. Not I mean, they could come off easily with soap, but that was a hell of a bath because like I said, had them all over, my friend. There's there's there was probably a couple that you know, you know, like you you go in the woods and you check your body for ticks. Well you gotta check pretty well. Yeah. I guarantee you my mom probably had to check me. Uh, to make sure I didn't have one tattooed on the inside of my ass, you know, as many of these, I, I'm not kidding. I emptied a full pencil box and had them all over me. Those fake washable um, tattoos. Yo, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I probably had a, I probably had a Spider-Man mask on the head of my dick. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm not kidding. I had them on my forehead, my face. I mean, I had them all over. Like I said, it looked like a post Malone. Um, <laughs> In in the second or third grade, if you're the kid that's got the fake tattoos and if you're putting like some red frost in your hair, you were the badass. I mean, I'll tell you what, my you know, you know Aunt B, she's a hairdresser. Um, and this predates pre this predates you barely though. Barely. Backstreet boys in sync. Big thing was the frosted tips. Well, I did the frosted tips, and so I had the I had the brown black hair with the frosted tips, and spiked it up. And then I took it a step further and dyed my whole head blonde uh, for about a week. Hated it. 
and then I had to deal with it for a week. And then the next weekend went back and dyed my hair back my natural color and I haven't changed it since. But um that's the thing though. That's the other it's the only other issue that I have with this guy. He goes, I'm gonna support this campaign for the free public transportation. If you get a real tattoo, but uh, you know what? I have enough money because I'm the freaking climate minister that I'm going to get a fake tattoo. No, you're either in or you're out, buddy. You're either in or you're out. Those are the two issues that I have with this. Jones, my question for you now is one, well, a couple things, actually. You are known as being the coupon king. If if you can if you find if you can find a coupon for a free taco off of a twenty dollar order of Taco Bell, well you'll find a way to order twenty dollars worth just for that free taco. Um you are the free food coupon king. Um or just finding your way into shit that maybe others wouldn't take upon themselves. Um would you what I gotta ask you a question here. What's your, what's your favorite food? I guess really food establishment. I guess or just favorite is. I mean, it could even be your favorite liquor store at this point. What what's your favorite business to give your money to right now? Do you think okay. other than maybe CPS? Uh my favorite business to give my money to. Because uh, I would I would probably give. I would probably tattoo PSO on my ass if I got free electric for a year. Hey, it's probably probably Prime. Um, and energy, Prime energy drinks. No, Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime. Okay, sorry. That that I didn't see that one coming. I I thought you knew what I meant when I said Prime. Okay, I didn't know if you were on on the on the Prime energy drinks. I didn't know. I, I thought everybody thought you're more of a you're more of a coffee guy than an energy drink guy. Energy drinks are all right, uh, but I am more a coffee guy. I thought it, when you said Prime, everybody just assumed that meant Amazon Prime. Um, but no, like I, I don't like going to the store and all that anymore. Like if I can get on Prime, I'll get on Prime. I, if if I can save money by having a Prime tattoo. Uh, don't tell Jeff Be- Bezos, but I, I'd, I'd probably do it. For a year or for life? For life. So it'd have to be for life. It couldn't just be one year membership. Right. So if they said, all right, Jones, we're going to give you, we're going to give you prime Amazon prime, you know, you get Amazon video, you get, you know, one day shipping, all that bullshit. You get, you get all the perks, but you got to put that, okay even a better question you get a tattoo you get a tattoo and and do whatever but what are the limits on where you get that tattoo where would you not have that tattoo let's let's take the face out of the equation because that's an easy question or that that's an easy answer okay i wouldn't get on my face but you have to get the amazon logo the amazon prime logo tatted somewhere what place there beside your face are you saying no no uh, I'm not getting it anywhere that it can be seen all the time. Like maybe the wrist or something like where I actually have to have my, move my hands in the air for it to be seen or something like it's gotta be, if I can cover it up, 
if I so can't. I can't. Would it's, you say like right ass cheek is fair game? Uh, no, no, because it's I, I would nothing, nothing sexual, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're saying your right ass cheek sexual? <laughs> very, very yes. So uh, I mean, would you get it on your ankle? Like or on your foot, like a butterfly. Like women get the butterfly tattoo on their foot. It's got to be able to be covered, or I could cover it up if I wanted to. So you're telling me you wouldn't, you wouldn't go inner thigh or like maybe, you know, three inches down from the belly button. No, no, that's a bit too far for me. But yeah, what's what's the okay? So if it's coverable, you could get it. You could get it, you know, on your, um, let's say you could get it on your, on your peck, like you're almost like a, where a pocket t-shirt could go. What's the biggest you would go before you'd say, nah, would you go like, it would have to be maybe as long and wide as a business card or is that too big? I think that could be reasonable. That could be done. Yeah. Yeah. There's the offer. We'll see if they, uh, they take me up on it. If they can give me, uh. Free prime products, uh, and all if we work out a deal. Uh, Jeff, you have your people call my people. Uh, we'll see if we can make, some, make something happen. Now, would you go like, hey, I'm gonna get you know, I, th- I think one that would be reasonable for me if I could do a lifetime would be like, I'll get a business card size wherever you want to put it on my body besides my face. And and besides my neck, I wouldn't do a neck tattoo. That's a neck tattoo is almost a singular neck tattoo that is is text based on your neck is almost as trashy as a face tattoo, in my opinion. Neck tattoos are ratchety shit. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you if you had a theme going and you had other parts of your body tattooed, I would never get a person's name tattooed on my neck. I would never get a person's name that I was in a relationship with. I could I could marry Jennifer Aniston and she's like, listen, I need you to tat Jen on your neck. No, wouldn't do it. I but- uh, I'll say this. We'll end on this real quick, Tom. As far as like bad tattoos go, uh I got a cousin. Uh I won't say her name, but uh she had a tattoo of her now ex husband uh with his name on her tit. Like upper tit, like cleavage area, or like right across the nipple or something. Uh, like cleavage area, you could see it, you know, like you know, very visibly. And so, like, she had other partners and still had that tattoo for a while. Um, I can't remember what she ended up doing, how she did with it, but it said said the guy's name, and are like, how embarrassing is that, you know? So. I mean, yeah, that's pretty bad. The only thing I could think of, like I said, company that I would, I think, would be very beneficial. That yeah. I think I would, I think I would go ahead and do it if it wasn't on the face and it wasn't on the neck. I would get it anywhere else. Business card size, no shame in my game. I would get Quick Trip tatted, and I would even put underneath in smaller script more than a gas station, if I could get free gas for life. Nice. I like it. I think I I would do that. On that note, we will uh, wrap up. 
Uh, big thanks to Riley uh, Gates for joining uh, on the show this week. Coach Bo as well. Uh, and you, the listener, make sure to subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, leave us five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, also follow us on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Tyler Jones Live, uh, Studio Soapbox on uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter. And then uh, Thomas, he's at Thomas underscore Bridges on Twitter, Instant Thomas on uh, Instagram. And uh, uh, you can follow him there and uh, all of that. Uh, for more information, uh, follow us for what we have, our updates, as we'll be having a fun weekend, enjoying some college football. So certainly looking forward to that. And uh, we'll be back here next week. Uh, we will see you then. For Thomas Bridges, Riley Gates, Brian O'Connor, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's another distance. We'll see you next week.